yet. Red light's on, now we're recording. Welcome to the Wonton Wednesday podcast, Daniel Babcock. Hi. No, I'm not, I swear. Yes, you are. (laughs) On life. I'm actually not, but your wife did just feed me a non-laced brownie, so I don't know how I feel about life. Because we're very straight-laced people. That's okay, I'm okay with that. I actually don't do weed anymore. Good for you. Yeah. I haven't been drunk in like six years. Maybe seven. I've had... uh, My running joke is that I have like a beer per fiscal quarter. Wow. But it's slightly more than that, but like I basically don't drink. But if like, you know, I'm at a place and like something going on, it's like, yeah, sure, I'll have a beer. Or if like go to a fancy dinner, it's like, yeah, sure, I'll have a beer. Or a glass of wine or something, but like I'm not getting shit housed. No. No. Uh, If you saw the bottle of whiskey in there, it's my first bottle of whiskey in like a year and a half, two years. Oh, nice. Yeah. I don't know if it's actually good or if it's just because it's been so long. I'm like, ooh, this is delicious. <laughs> I have my little, like, I did see it, and I'm like, Japanese words, Suntory whiskey. I'm like, oh, nice. Yeah. Probably pretty good. It might be. I, I'm not sure. I may just not know what I'm doing anymore. Last whiskey I, I had was a 18 or a 20-year scotch. Ooh, okay. Yes. And uh, it was really good, and I had it with a buddy of mine who is really into scotch, and he said, this is this is really good, but I would not pay what you paid for this bottle. I'm like, well, you also go through it like it's water. <laughs> I bought a Blue Label bottle one time in Germany. Uh, I went to an army base and had it on sale, so it was like a the giant bottle. Mm-hmm. So it was only, only like $200. Only? Yeah, yeah. And uh, what I discovered is it's not wasn't worth it. It's like I can't tell the difference between this and like Jameson. It all tell <laughs> it all it all tastes like lighter fluid at some point. <laughs> it's like I feel like I should be respecting this more because it's supposed to be good, but it's like I can't tell the difference. I don't. I'm never spending this kind of money again. <laughs> I feel like when I was like you know 18 to 23 and in the Marines, I'm like, this just tastes. This is pure lighter fluid. Just whatever. Like I'd rather have a rum and coke or a beer or something. And like twenty of them for a dollar each. I remember you, uh, you one time were trying to convince me to take shots of one fifty one in the barracks. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, I refused, and I'm pretty sure Stumball was uh, asleep, quote unquote, on on the bunk, like because I think he had had a few. Um, there, there, there I, was many. I remember he was asleep, and you were trying very hard to convince me to try to try one, and I was just like, no. Uh, if I know myself, which I do, uh, you probably were not the only one I was trying to convince. No. <laughs> I think this was uh, probably like an hour after a 40-20 show, too. Um, I feel like this was something like We should uh, probably backtrack maybe just a little bit and explain... What we're talking about? At least the Barracks 40-20 evening show, which is the full name of it... <laughs> Pardon me. The full name was The Barracks 4020 Evening Show, and uh, I would scream like a telephone, or not telephone, television host, welcome to The Barracks 4020 Evening Show, into a one microphone connected to a bass guitar amplifier that I had, which was a 120-watt Rogue 15-inch subwoofer amplifier, and... Mine and Ryan's friend, Nate, who was a uh, 
Huey and Cobra engine mechanics. So he worked down at Mal's. Mm-hmm. His were, do you remember the, they were new barracks for H&S and they were the farthest ones, but they were close to like the, I guess it was called the back gate. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it was way down there. He's like, I can hear you guys perfectly from my room. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Is that the barracks that had the bagpipe dude? I or was think that closer so. to us? Mm, unsure. I just know where his barracks were, and I know he's like, I can hear you guys perfectly when you do that. And I'm just like, yes, this is amazing. We're going to be so famous. We just got in trouble. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> we got yelled at by whoever was on duty that night. That we decide, we got drunk enough and decided to start hosting the Barracks 4020 evening show. <laughs> you did it quite a few times, though. I remember at least once I was like some absurd hour of the day, and it's like I'm in my room above y'all's room, and it's... And it's just like I'm sound asleep, and all of a sudden, <laughs> Well, it was like the middle of the barracks, and like right outside the room was the the barracks air conditioner. So like, you know, I couldn't hear myself. Is obviously. it an air conditioner if it doesn't work? It, oh, was, it was probably fan. working at that time. It was fans. Okay. There was at least the fans going off. It's because it was the heating slash cooling unit for the barracks. And it worked most of the time we were there, I think. And I do believe, because um, I did see Hawes when I was down in North Carolina for New Year's, uh, Barracks 4020 is no longer a place. Did, he, did they uh, bulldoze it? They, We probably just left too many bad vibes and they got rid of it, or it was too old and decrepit. I mean, there was black mold coming out of my air, like, vents in the bathrooms of so, both rooms I lived in there, so. You remember our <laughs> hangar building, AS504? Yeah, that's gone, right? Yes, that is gone. And do you know the main reason why they got rid of it? Um, let me. It was probably asbestos or something worse. So there was all the things that was wrong with the building, and like you know the seagulls or whatever they were like shitting in the hangar bay doors. Oh, like, I remember that well. And like you know the massive amount of cockroaches, and it was just a oh. decrepit building. But it was getting to the point where, if the building were to stay standing for, I believe it was like 50 years or something like that, it mm-hmm. would be had to have been marked like a national like register or like something where it'd be a protected building because of its age. So like Ooh. we have to get rid of it, and we want to use this area for what is now, I believe it's the called the mega hangar area, as they explained it to me, and I'm just like I don't know what a mega hangar is, but cool. I feel like I need to get on Google earth and look at this and see what it looks like now i mean you're only going to see the top i mean yeah so you're just like oh yeah i do remember that section of flight line and this all looks different yeah, i'm sure it does yeah so i mean last time i looked at google earth i looked like every couple of years of i'll look at something like that like places i've been like oh i was more curious what it looks like kind of closer to now because back when we lived there i remember like i think it was Google Earth. It was whatever their current version of was at the time. Yes. And I, like, looked at it, and, like, you could still see, like, all the stains on the flight line from when, like, one squadron was a 46 squadron. Uh-huh. You could tell, like, what birds had been there <laughs> everywhere because of the shape of the stains. I do. I do remember <laughs> that, too. I've, I've looked at that. Um, on Google Earth, my old house that me and Ryan first moved into, and he moved out of the barracks because I moved out before him, when we lived on Hunting Green Drive, still has my car in the driveway. Oh, nice. I haven't lived there since 2007. It's like a blue Dodge thing? Yeah, my yeah, Dodge Caliber. And I think that. Mike Isaac's uh, car is like in the front yard. Wow. So it's for 15 years old. Okay. Minimum. Minimum, yeah. Well, that was the last time I checked. I don't know if it's still like Yeah, that. okay. So it's 
probably been updated then since then maybe hopefully but like i looked like i want to say it was pre-pandemic so like 18 19 maybe okay it's probably the last time i looked like i know it's not recent so uh now that we've said your name and said a bunch of drinking stories uh would you like to introduce yourself no (laughs) hi i'm daniel uh my name's daniel i'm a sagittarius What's a Sagittarius? Oh, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm the crab one. Cancer. Yeah, there we go. I'm a cancer. Yes. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it means sometimes you claw at people. Um, it's it, delicious. I believe the symbol is like 69, actually, but it's sideways. Because uh, Ryan's a cancer, too, so okay. I know this. Is it, is it 69 sideways, or is it two tadpoles swimming in a circle? I don't know, because it's also a crab, and crabs don't have tadpoles. So none but of makes after you sense. become a tadpole, you can get crabs if you're with some skeezy people. Uh, yeah, well, especially if you live in Jacksonville. Anyway. It's pronounced Jacksonville. Fair. I like to say it that way. People used to call it, what, J-Vegas? Yeah. Or Jackson, 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 Actionville. Jacksonville. No, not no J, just Actionville. Oh, okay, Actionville. That's what because if you're from uh, somewhere in the middle of absolutely nowhere, where your closest neighbor is, neighbor is seven miles away in any direction, there is a lot of action in Jacksonville. Yeah, very little of it's good, but this is very true. Yeah. Sometimes See, it's yeah. fun though, and sometimes it's not. A lot of times it's questionable. To your morals and your mental health and your physical health. I haven't heard in a few years, but uh, it was at least a year or two ago. Somebody told me that the the ninja is still operating in full swing oh my down God. near what was it, the Sunset Inn, Western Where? Boulevard, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I, they told me he was still going. So it's like the Energizer Bunny. He was a fantastic human being. Yeah. Did you ever actually talk to him? Did you... No, but I know many people that did. Yeah, I never stopped to talk to him. I just wave, exchanged waves many times. He should be put on the National Landmark of Treasures. <laughs> I think somebody should find out what his real story is. Um, I... I've heard everything from, it's like, oh, he's just your standard crackhead, to like, oh, he's a retired marine that like uh got a little burnt like burned out on some chemical like i've heard all kinds of variations so i think he's just a dude that kind of exhibitionist and you know maybe he had done some drugs but like he didn't look like he had time to like have a full-time drug habit because he was out there like all the time most days like i suppose i should explain what we're talking about it's this guy who stood on the side of the road and did like little tai karate. chi, karate, taekwondo looking moves, kung fu. I don't yeah. know what it was. Is some combination of like all those things. Just stood there doing it, usually shirtless. Look up, ripped dude, and his, he did it. Yeah, he was there every day. His name is Radio the Jacksonville Ninja. Yeah, okay, there. And like, I don't know his real name, but his name like it's just like call me Radio Dog. It's like all right, you're Radio. Yeah, so if you Google... Search, I see you. I see that you Ninja. identify as radio, and I respect yeah. that, sir. Yeah, yeah. Just Google Jacksonville Ninja. You'll figure it out. I'm sure there's enough stuff about him. Oh, yeah. There's pictures, memes, probably short videos. I'm sure somebody could find, like, some sort of a news article or something on him. Like, there's got to be something. Yeah. So 
So anyways, uh, when did you go in the Marine Corps? Uh, April 2005. I went to those that delightful little place called Paris Island. The nice, the summer vacation of America. That sounds like a spring vacation in April. It was fantastic. Spring break, Paris Island, 20, 2005? Yeah, 2005. So. Did they give you a t-shirt for that? No. Oh, I didn't get one either, and I went for summer. No, I did get a t-shirt from uh, the guy who uh, signed me up for it, though, The you know, a few months before. Oh, the recruiter. Yeah, yeah, the recruiter. So what Which was... I often told people when they asked me why I joined. Like, oh, I got this awesome t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they gave me this free t-shirt. Why wouldn't I join? And people would look at me like I was nuts because... Uh... So you were past <laughs> graduating high school and like... I was like you... almost a year out of high school. So what was the catalyst for going in at that time frame so i had originally wanted to join because uh college was too expensive and i was not a an academic superstar i yeah that i feel that um so i just uh had like zero care about school um <laughs> and a bad attitude so uh i had a couple of classes where i played the game where i intentionally like wanted to see how close my my score could get to failing Oh, because I was like, that was the only entertainment I found in the class was like, how can I manage my GPA in this class to like get it exactly on the dot? <laughs> how can I do the least amount of work to just pass the class? And I would like, I was like, playing minimum effort, maximum results. Yeah. <laughs> so I put a lot of work into doing the least amount of work in several classes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's great <laughs> anyway uh so college was too expensive and i didn't feel like going into debt for that because i'd listened to way too much uh dave ramsey radio in high school in all the, right in the car yeah me and my dad used to listen to dave ramsey radio so i you know d- debt and credit cards evil um I have a credit card now don't tell anyone i won't wait Oh, well, anyway. He um, does not have a credit card. Yeah, It's yeah. cash only. Yeah. Don't rob him. Only. He has a gun. Um, no, I don't, I don't care. I, the Dave Ramsey thing, like, a lot of it's good, but a lot of it's a little um, out there. Anyway. It's extremist because he likes to help people in extreme circumstances. Yeah, yeah. And it, it works. So it does work for a lot of people. Like, a lot of what he teaches is really smart and simple mm-hmm. for people to do. It's, but he also lives in Brentwood. Yes, which is an expensive section of the Nashville area. Yeah. And has a lot of fancy offices and insist on all of his people coming to work at the office, even though they don't need to. Um, yeah. And underpays his developers. That's uh, how anyway. you get more money is by underpaying and you know screwing people out of money. Anyway. So joining the thing, the Marine Corps. Yeah, there we go. Sorry. We're, I was trying to figure out where we were. Um you have to keep me on track because, you know, my ADD stories are start in the middle and go back. I have back those to, two and I will try. Yeah, yeah. Go back to the beginning for context and then forget where we were going. Um, so Didn't like college. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was a great idea. Uh, I had got a full scholarship to tech, a local tech school. And uh, my family really didn't want me to join the military. And I was trying to keep my family happy for some reason. Because, you know, I love and respect them, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I'll go do this uh, auto tech school thing. I like cars. Maybe I'll like working on cars. Uh, I am a horrible technician. 
It's like you can tell me what part is wrong and I can change it, but trying to figure out what's wrong with a modern system, especially if there's wires involved, no. World's worst that, technician. That's what avionics is for, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. They, because in Autotech, you have to do it all. So uh-huh. uh, Anyway, so I did that for like most of a year, but I was also working at a factory on nights. So I was like working eight hours a night in Gordonsville, Tennessee, going to school in Livingston, Tennessee, and living in Salina, Tennessee. And so I was doing eight hours at work, seven-ish hours at school, and about three hours on the highway round trip. Uh, so about that's about, 25 hours in a day. No, no, no. About three hours round trip, seven hours at school. It's 10 hours and about eight hours at work. So it's 18 hours. I'm not a math magician, but that's too much. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I was, so I was like doing that and it was like less than a year later, I was just like burned out because I didn't really care about the auto tech thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, Hmm. It's like, it's like, a, I still have this recruiter's number. I still want to do this. Cause I, really wanted to do, uh, I actually joined the Marine Corps wanting to do MSG specifically. Cause we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's why I picked the Marine Corps that. And also it's like, I was like, a, I don't know, not the most athletic kid. It's kind of grew up like a weak kid a little bit. And I was mm-hmm. like, I have something to prove <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess maybe that's what it was. So, Anyway, so I call a recruiter, like, yeah, come talk to us, blah, blah. And it's like a few days later, it's like I'm like go to – or a week or two later, I'm like go to meet my mom somewhere. And like, hey, do you have a copy of my birth certificate? I don't have that. And she's like, like, I can get you a copy. What do you need this for? It's like, uh, oh, I'm going to Nashville with this this Marine guy uh, to – to this uh, place called MEPS to <laughs> do some things. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she, uh, my parents were, had been divorced for years at this point, but it's like, she immediately like called my dad. And uh, by the time he like called me on my little Nokia brick cell phone uh, that I had, my first cell phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Early, early 2005. And, uh, he like calls me when I'm in the like minivan with a recruiter on the way to Nashville, <laughs> and he's like, "What are you? Uh, where are you at right now?" <laughs> it's like, uh, "What are you doing?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh, I'm signing up for the Marines." Nice. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, "Why are you doing this?" Like, because I want to. And he, he's, you know, something, something. It's like, well, so, you know, I could kill you as easily as some foreigner could kill you. Like, why? This is a horrible idea. It's like, oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> um. So my family absolutely hated it. And then, uh, you know, my dad, by the time I graduated, like, Paris Island, of course, had, like, a, my son as a Marine sticker on his truck. and like. Oh, like, did he buy, like, and, all the stuff at the like island? Like, the red hat, the stupid red hat. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, that is a strong statement. I fully yeah. don't support it, but I love laughing at people that have that now. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's, I'm like, it's, good it's, for you. It's hilarious, though, because I've met a lot of guys who are like, yeah, my family hated it. They thought it was the stupidest idea ever, and by the time you, like, you show up at, they show up for your graduation at boot camp. They're like all moto. Um, they're, I had the exact like opposite moto. family. Yeah. But before I even signed up, both my brothers were in the army. Right. So like, it's just kind of like, eh. no, like, do you want to join the army when you're graduating high school? I'm like, no, I don't think I'm gonna. And then saw a Marine recruiter and I'm like, oh, that looks right for me actually. Yeah. I, and they were very unhappy with my choice. <laughs> don't know why. Still don't. And then a few years later, my sister joined the Navy. <laughs> mm. So, like, it was just kind of like, 
Yeah, cool. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Well, the military in general is like a great opportunity for people, especially if they don't have, you know, all the, I guess, what do you call it? They don't have economic propulsion to yes to get out there. So it's a it's a good thing to do. I also don't like never gonna hold it against anybody to not join because it's I don't know. I, I've met a lot of people. I'm sure you meet people who are like, man, I wish I had joined. Blah blah blah. Or you know, I almost joined kind of thing. But it's like I didn't feel like I could do it or whatever. And it's just like I don't care that you didn't join. It's I've fine. met a few, and like the ones that stick out to me are like. I couldn't because of this medical condition. The yeah. ones that are like, oh, I could have or I would have, but, like, I didn't. And, like, anyone like that, like, mm-hmm. I might remember them for, like, a week. Yeah. Or that they said that to me for, like, a week. But, like, that's just one of those things where I'm like, has anyone ever said that to me? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've met quite a few people that are, like, they wanted to join or they did, and they just kind of, like, regret having never done it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you like, didn't do it. You're fine. <laughs> you missed out on some camouflage, bud. Yeah, you, you missed out on some things, but whatever. It's like we we got some alcohol and poop stories. Yeah, it yeah that is it's just not for everybody. It really isn't. Yeah. It shouldn't be. So, but so then, anyway. how'd you pick Airwing, or did it get picked oh, for you? No, no, no. So unlike you, uh, <laughs> yes, with my magical your, open contract, your fun open contract story. Uh, thanks for telling me that. I never knew that story before. That's hilarious. I did not tell a lot of people. That's okay. Uh, so I, because I had a nice squeaky clean record because I was like a super straight laced kid. Um, I didn't discover beer till the Marine Corps. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah, I somehow avoided all the drugs and alcohol, even though I lived in Methville, Tennessee. Uh, is that the actual name of the no, town? No, it's called Salina. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, a believable name. Anyway, population. I heard there's one in Indiana too. Probably. They probably call it Selena, though. Oh, you I meant Methville. Oh, yeah, no. I'm sure Indiana has to have one. Yeah. I think Ohio has several. Anyway. One per county, it's law. Right, okay. So, anyway, uh, so I had a nice clean record, so my recruiter, even though I was like a scrawny, weak kid, he uh, tried to sign me up for presidential guard because he's like, oh, you can get this clearance, you know, the clearance you need, those top secret, whatever. And it's like, yeah. And it's yeah. like, okay, cool. So, you know, but... It was like a, so it's a week or two after they start all this process and I've signed up and like, okay, my dad's gotten a little, parents have gotten a little over how mad they are at me for joining without telling them, even though I'm a legal adult at this point, but Mm -hmm. like, I just didn't like consult them. Just did it on my own. Anyway. Nice. I didn't want them to talk me out of it. Uh, so where was I going? Oh Yeah. But anyway, my dad's like, well, you, maybe you should, like, at least do, like, a, sm- a job where you learn some skills, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so, like, after a, a while, I'm, like, go back to my recruiter. He's like, uh, maybe, can I switch jobs to, like, something else? He's like, uh, he, he didn't like it. But he's like, oh, I got this thing in Air Wing over here. Like, you can work on aircraft. Like, okay, it wasn't a specific, I don't think you signed up for anything specific. It was just, like, a general aviation thing. You have no idea what they're going to do with you, really. It was just like, you're going to go work on an aircraft. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. So it's like, okay, cool. So it was a, not an open contract, but it was like something. Airwing contract. Something airwing maintenance. Um, yeah. Okay. So I don't know if they sign you up by like series of MOSs, like 60 or. I have no idea how that works. I don't know. Anyway, but I, I know a I was, couple of guys yeah. have explained it to me and they're like, yeah, like, so I signed up for like 
aircraft and then like yeah. they actually had me specify down like if I wanted avionics, flight line or airframes and hydraulics. Uh, and I'm just like, oh, that's wild. I don't remember having any clue like specifically what I wouldn't have either. It was just like, uh, yeah, I want to work on jets or you know something cool. I don't think and you can pick your aircraft. No, you can't. Not at all. No. And they, they told me that. They're like, no, we can sign you up to work on aircraft, though. It's like, so, okay, yeah. we did that. Anyway, so you go through, go to boot camp, you go to MCT, and I guess you, we were talking about this earlier. So MCT is where you find out what your your MOS number is, I think? Yes. Before, because they're about to ship you off to your first school, so. Yeah, so you get yeah. your MOS number there, or at least like a general series, I think. Yeah. But I remember vividly getting like the full four-digit number, not like, 6150, which would have been airframes and hydraulics general. I remember there being a number, the last digit, and that number I now know is six. Uh, So 6156 was our MOS number. And that number, when I looked at the board of like where your MOS number is and what the job title is, was between rotary wing airframes and hydraulics and fixed wing airframes and hydraulics. And I'm just like, those numbers are not here. I don't have an actual See, job. I don't know what's yeah, going on. I don't think at MCT we found out the actual, like, I think it was just airframes and hydraulics because the, the school they send you to after that's really in Pensacola is super general. Yeah, generalized. so it's just. I got recycled at Pensacola because I failed the portion we build the wing section. Oh, I got failed during hydraulics and recycled. I got, yeah, so I got I recycled in the wing section. In no second in Guess a, what I did to fail? I had an extra rivet. An extra rivet? I had an extra rivet. Like you for, you mean like an extra one in your hand because you forgot to put one in, or you put like a whole extra rivet into something? So you know the leading edge where you're supposed yeah. to have your rivet pitch and rivet distance and whatever all that is? Mm-hmm. I had an extra rivet in there. Oh. There was a very specific staff sergeant. I don't remember his name. I remember his arm tattoo and that he worked on EA-6B Prowlers who was so mad, so mad that there was an extra rivet in there that he kicked, drop kicked specifically, my wing section and then graded it. Wow, that's mature. Oh, yeah, I'm just like, well, this guy also did not like me. Because one weekend he told us, or one Friday before the weekend, he told us we were not allowed to come back with tattoos that weekend. And what did I do? But I came back with uh, that one right there that I drew. So uh, people who know me, this is the one on my right arm, which is the multicolored girl with the star behind it. I drew that tattoo. Uh, And then I got it put on me, and he was very fucking pissed. So he walked me into the master sergeant's office. And the master sergeant... Uh, at Pensacola uh, basically said there's no Marine Corps order saying that he can't get a tattoo there. Mm-hmm. Have a nice day, Marines. Because yeah. back then we could have Get out of sleeves. here, PFC with Staff Sergeant. And like, why are you wasting my time? He's like, I told him he couldn't have it. It's a lawful order. He's like, no, it's not. That's not a lawful order. It has to be a lawful regulation for, you to, for it to be a lawful order. Like, Telling him you're under 21, you can't drink is a lawful order. Telling him he can't have a tattoo when he's very obviously 18 and Marine Corps regulations say it ends here, because at that time it did, uh, is not stop wasting my time, get out of here. And so after that, that guy was gunning for me. And then I just handed him all the ammunition he needed with that extra rivet. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I got dropped because of something in hydraulics. I think I failed a written test. Was, uh, the hydraulics section just confused me. 
like the bubble chasing section. I almost got dropped again for, or rolled back again for the, uh, um, when you went and did like the trainer stuff and they like hid the FOD around the aircraft and like try and find it. Oh. So like, you got like 60 seconds to go look and then. You missed the 10 millimeter bolt I hid and. I put five things on there. Sections. I put five things in there. Where did you find? And you have 30 seconds to look. It's like, I have no idea. Like every time, I'm just like, I have no idea. Yeah. No. That... Okay. 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 Which one do you want? Oh, we're doing a recording thing. It's called a podcast. It's called a podcast. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't tell you. Hello, everyone. Meet Rachel. Oh. Hi, Rachel. Daniel's wife. Anyway. They can't see your middle finger. She's anyway. flicking us off and very angry. Oh, you want the nice chair. Okay, here you go. You need the nice chair. It's fine. I'll take this tiny little camping chair. It'll keep Sorry. you awake. Keeps me awake, yes. Pensacola stories, that's where we were. Oh, okay. Um... Yeah, anyway, that place was weird, because yeah. I, well, in general, the schools, and at least the air wing, I found to be really weird, and they get uptight about weird things like your tattoo, mm-hmm. which was perfectly fine at the time. Uh, when I got to North Carolina after that, that schoolhouse, we weren't supposed to buy a car while we were in the schoolhouse. Which like, I did. Which I did, and, uh, what was his name? Staff Sergeant Dyke. I don't remember got, him. He got really mad at me. He was a guy from Louisiana, had like a super Cajun accent. I remember right. I think I think he was from Louisiana. He'd say Maju instead of module. I don't <laughs> um, remember him. Anyway, no. yeah, I don't know. It's that's I don't know that's all I, I don't remember who the other instructor was anymore. But anyway, he got I bought a car off of a family member, like a beater, for like a thousand dollars in cash. And they st- I think their rule was because they didn't want you going out in Jacksonville and, you know, buying a... It, that was because of me. ...at 26% interest. By the way, that was because of me. Oh, okay. You're the one. I bought a Oldsmobile Alero. Everything should have been fine, and I did not know it, but it had a broken head gasket. Ah. And, oh, shit, I sh- don't remember the staff sergeant's name, who was, like, my class leader, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. I could look at a picture that I know I have and find it out for you. Uh, but, like, the... One that I dealt with day-to-day was uh, Mayrand. Oh, okay. So, like, he was, like, always in our class and, like, you know, like, teaching us the lessons and stuff because it was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he, but, yeah, like, that staff sergeant was, like, my class leader or whatever, like, took me back to that fucking place and then, like, was yelling at the car dealer. I'm like, this is so cool, but it doesn't help me. <laughs> yeah, no. It's still have a broken head gasket. Yeah. They don't have to do anything about it. So uh, Haas and Malashevsky like helped me replace it basically. Nice. You go to the little on base thing and uh shop and. No, we took it to Dishler's house. Oh okay, okay. Like after like a year. <laughs> nice. Anyway, yeah. So I had to like eventually tell them like, okay, it was a gift. The car was a gift. Jesus. It's like this is like after I had told him like it, it's like I paid a thousand dollars cash for it like I can afford that it's like yes I'm I'm a poor like PFC but yes I can afford this I paid money that I had they're like it's it's mine now I don't owe any weird money on it like no predatory interest rates yeah it is he's like and they're like no no you're not allowed to buy a car while you're here so eventually had to be like nope okay fine it was a gift a family member gave it to me. 
I lied about paying for it. Anyway, sorry. So that's skipping ahead. Pensacola, uh, that was a cool place. The only th- you know the only thing I really miss about that schoolhouse is that wing section thing you were talking about? I thought it was really cool, and I was mad we didn't get to keep it. That would have been cool if we could have kept it. Because they only let the like guy who did the best on it keep it, and the rest of us had to like throw them in the trash. I don't remember if they let anyone in my class, because like, I did that section twice, so I did it with one group of people. Everyone from that class got some other aircraft. Mm. Then I got rolled into the class that I went through the New River Schoolhouse with. Mm-hmm. So that's Ozcan, Dela Cruz, Martinez, uh, Byers, Dishler. Probably said Ozcan already. Yeah. But that's just because I love him, so I'll say him again. Um, like, all those guys. And we all went, like, that entire class went from Pensacola to New River. Like, it was just like, huh, weird. Yeah. I'm just like... Because, like, the class, because, like, you know, you get rolled back two weeks because it's a two-week course. Mm-hmm. So I got put in with those guys. All of those guys went, so, like, I got a buddy. Did you ever meet Tim Hum when he came through 204 to, because his unit came to Ospreys? I went. I started with him in Pensacola. I can't picture a face. Uh, I don't remember the name. So. Big dude. We had a lot of people go through there, though. Yeah. So he... I think he was 162. Okay. I think. Yeah. Pretty sure he was from 162. But yeah, he went 46s. Uh, one of my buddies, uh, Goff, he's still in. He went Hueys and Cobras. Uh, There's two girls. My roommate maybe from Pensacola one. went to Cobras and uh, Hueys. And they both got to go and like uh, they were on both on New River and whichever unit they went to like took them on like fun flights like their first like two weeks there. Nice. And it was like it was a uh, and I'm over here at 204 and I didn't get to go on a fun fl- a flight till I'd been there for like almost two years and we went to that factory tour. <laughs> I <laughs> didn't go on one until we did Op Eval when we were at VMX mm-hmm. and we flew off uh, the boat. Yeah. So when we did shipboard test and evaluation, we flew off. Yeah. I had a friend um, who was in the like, National yeah. Guard, and she got to fly on an Osprey before I did, and I worked on them. <laughs> I always did find that weird. I'm like, how come they don't ever let us fly in these? Yeah, it's like, would it make people a little more motivated, maybe? Like, hey, this is what you get to do, and this is why. Like, this is all the, like, work you put in is, like, getting this thing in the air, and, oh, look, you get to, like, enjoy the fruits of your labor. Yeah, so... Sorry about the barking. The mail came, so the dogs That's have fine. to bark at the mail mailman. I get. I bark at the mailman too. Mm. When we hear sirens at night, they sometimes howl. So occasionally, it's fun to like fake howl and get the dogs riled up because they'll <laughs> do that. Uh, <laughs> the kid really likes it, so. I do too. I mean, I approve yeah. of all those games. <laughs> so it's kind of fun having a kid, though, because I can be really dumb, and it's fun. Yeah. It's like I have well, I have like a legitimate excuse to to be dumb, so yeah, and have fun. Don't take it too far, cause like you know there are those things where it's like oh, eventually I have to like convince it I'm its father and a responsible adult. Yeah, yeah, and also I don't want her to like go to like daycare later when she starts talking more and just randomly starts howling every time she hears a siren. Uh, or worse, talking like a marine. I'm I'm doing better about that. Well, that's good. Yeah. Rachel mostly has to give me the mom eye for saying 
like weird phrases that I shouldn't say in front of a kid more than like, actual cuss words. So yeah, I'm better about containing those. So anyway, I mean, there were some very colorfully descriptive words that I have never heard before. And then I went back to my normal small civilian town and said those words and phrases and people are like, what did you say? Oh man. When I went to college right after I got out, there was a, there was a, Marine Grunt and an army photojournalist who had spent a lot of his last like two years embedded with SF in my, uh, my cohort of college and it's art school. And we had like one, one professor who was, I would say very sensitive and she got offended so many times with us talking like in ways we thought were just like normal conversation because it's like right after we had all gotten out at the same time. Yes. And, yeah, and it's just like we're all having conversations, and it's just like, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we probably probably wasn't, we weren't having conversations that are normal for normal people to have. No. It was, no. <laughs> but it was still, it was kind of, it was like funny to us. It was like, where's what's what's up with her? Like. What's your problem? What's your problem? Blah, 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 blah. So, anyway, yes. Had to I have a question about, it. like, that time frame and that period for you, like, yeah. the getting out stuff. Like, in that, like, one to three year time span, because I know that's what it was for me, did it feel like looking back on the Marine Corps times, and this is the only way I can, like, describe it, and I don't know if it's right, but it feels right to me, was, like, looking back on it, for those one to three years, like that time period felt like colorful and alive. Like Mm -hmm. it's like looking at an old movie that they like colorized versus Mm -hmm. another movie from that time period. Cause like, it's only like, it's the same group of time. I was roughly the same age, but afterwards, like everything else felt like duller and less colorful. And the only thing I can really attribute it to was one the people to the mission and three the amount of stress it was? Yeah, probably. I mean, that's well. I think like most military people struggle a little bit when they get out because you you don't have that like uh, structure. But it's not just the structure; it's that you don't have that uh, that mission. You know, you don't have the for your it's you don't have that personal mission. You don't have a group of people around you who are focused on the same mission. Yep. And then you know you just you're with a lot of awesome people. So, and you don't have all those awesome people anymore. So, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, uh, I mean, not all of them are awesome, but. But you're living, working, yeah. fighting, feeding, drinking, everything yeah. with these people. And yeah. like, there is a closeness, but there, but you're also going through a shared suffering yeah. together. And I don't know. And. Like, everyone's under the same stress. Like, oh, we got to get Aircraft 21 up. It's like, yeah, we do. We got to get uh, aircraft. If we don't no. get this aircraft up, like, our life is over. And, like, yeah. looking back, and I was like, if we didn't get Aircraft 21 up for some reason, like, would the world have stopped turning? No. Like, we would have gotten yelled at. We wouldn't have been beat. Nobody would have shot us. But, like, maybe not making that mission would have looked bad, like, in a tick mark somewhere, like, way up the line. Would it, but would it have actually mattered in the big picture long run? Probably not. No, but no. like we worked ourselves to the bone to like in this hypothetical situation, yeah. do this one thing 
or this thing. Yeah, sometimes doing shady stuff too. Like we would never do that. Those are federal regulations for aircraft. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> I went over to the the graveyard hangar one time and stole parts off of one of those condemned aircraft. <laughs> That's not and, illegal. That's just collecting a part. Uh huh. It's well, called cannibalization. I stole, I stole and if it's a serialized part, they know that we did it. We had that one. Uh, Hanger queen that I I don't think ever left the hangar the whole time I was there. That was it was like an ancient block too, so I don't even think it was worth like getting back up to flying condition. Yeah, yeah. Once something becomes and a can bitch, which means yeah. a cannibalized aircraft, we're taking the parts yeah, for another still... one. It's doomed. Yeah. Until somebody like up at like the wing level sees like that Buno number hasn't flown in like two years, and they're like, why hasn't this Buno flown in two years? make it happen it's like all right so we're cannibalizing a new aircraft make this one the flying aircraft yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like Which this weird really shell stupid. game it's yes. just like a lot of it was really dumb it's like and then it's just like why don't you just like buy more parts yeah there's a lot of i stole a lot of stuff though too like everybody says there's no thieves in the marine corps there's only one everyone else is trying to get their stuff back it's like well I was directed to steal things quite often. It's like I don't know how I many went, times. I went wandering through hangars one time when I couldn't I find a unit that had a thing we needed. It was like a special cotter pin or something. Oh my god! I yes. don't know. It was something stupid. Um, it was like something we should have had dozens, hundreds of laying around. It was like some specialized bolt or. When they made us know. get anyway. rid of the uh, the the unit parts entry bin, so the parts entry bins started moving to people's pockets that time yeah, frame. Yeah, yeah, but probably then. Yes. So I went, like, looking around at other units. Nobody had it. And so I ended up, like, and I was told, like, no, you have to go find this. Mm -hmm. Like, make it happen. So I started, like, wandering through building hangars that didn't have a unit currently there. Because there were a couple units that were deployed, but there was just tons of stuff stored in their hangars. And it's like That's a going, solid move. It's just going through toolboxes and storage boxes and like empty hangers and there my headlamp at night. Like it's like I hope PMO doesn't like just wander in here. It's, it's like I cannot tell you how many times where it's been like we're down to like the last can of hydraulic fluid or transmission fluid for, mm-hmm. for flight line where it's like we need we need more more of this oil. Well, base hazmat's only open during the day, and it's 1.30 in the morning. <sighs> Looks like I'm breaking in. I never did that. I have broken into base hazmat more times than I would care to admit. Yeah. And, well, to be perfectly honest and fair, uh, so about the time you would have been at the shop in the squadron, they were moving things from MALS and MAG hazmat. So MALS and MAG had separate MALS-26 and MALS-29 had their own hazmat, so depending on who we were attached to when they were deployed, so we were either MALS-26 or MAG-29, depending on uh, how it just shook out that day. I would... Theirs were not secure, so I could break into those very easily, but then once there was an actual base hazmat, they had, like, a barbed wire fence and lights and um, whatever the hell you call those, like, cameras and stuff, and Mm -hmm. it was just like, ah, crap. Nobody's watching those, it's fine. Well, it, w- it was enough to where they went, all right, I guess we can't break in anymore. Probably, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but they also st- at that time started using, like, barcodes to, like, control for the base who was getting how much and where it was going because they had no idea because people were literally just going in there at night and just going, well, I need this. Mm-hmm. Except for, like, 
very Osprey specific things. And at that time there was one Osprey unit. So they knew exactly where the, the carbon fiber, uh, um, epoxies, I guess that's what they're called. The two part carbon fiber stuff was 6363. Sure. I'm pretty sure that's the number for what it was. It was was like the repair epoxy. That wasn't like the mixing, making new, new carbon fiber. Was it? I don't remember. I don't remember. I just remember 6363 was green. And if you mixed it too hot, it would light a cup on fire. Ah, yeah, it w- I never got it hotter than, like, smoking. That's another one of those so shady things would I would do, though, because they would, people would tell me, maintenance, like, control would be like, we need this aircraft up, and the only thing, like, in yes. the way is, like, some little, like, wire holder or something that's yes. epoxied in place, and they're like, we need it up in an hour. It's like, it takes eight hours for this uh, for this epoxy to cure. I don't care how you make it happen. Make it happen. I don't know anything. <laughs> so it'd be like I would mix okay. that stuff till it was almost smoking, and mix stuff like that, and then hold a heat gun, like wrap it aluminum foil and hold a heat gun on it to yeah, dry Yeah, well, you guys would do that, and then you would drop the cup off on the metal desk in hazmat and be like, "Thanks, see you guys later." <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, me and Bates would sit there and watch it and just be like, "Think it's gonna light on fire today?" <laughs> I watched them mix it in front of me. They didn't use a scale. No. What's a scale? I have a calibrated eyeball. I don't think I used a scale until I started working in, in the hazmat. Um, the classic <laughs> line I would say to people is, don't do this like I do this. Like, if I was, could they be like, hey, can you, like, mix me, like, some sealant? Like, because I need to, like, do this panel, and I'm, like, kind of in a rush. Mm-hmm. Like, they'd say this as they're walking by. Like, yeah, man, no problem. I got you. Or if they like a new kid would like watch me do like I need help mixing this. Can you help me, Corporal? I'm like yeah, I can help you. Like just you know this, this, that, and the other. Da 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 da. Like uh, don't do this like I do because I eyeball it like it's a like, motherfucker. I'm mixing this like my grandmother makes biscuits. Like I'm just like, handful of this, handful of that, a pinch of this. I'm like I know what I'm doing. You're trying to basically I know what color or what shade of gray I want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how I mixed sealant, which sealant was low low consequence. Yeah, yeah. It was low consequence if you mixed it wrong. If you mixed it not hot enough, like, it just takes longer to cure. If you mix it too hot, it just cures kind of fast and maybe gets brittle. Yeah, yeah. It's not a low consequence, but it then it gave you a false sense of security when you had to mix something important. Yeah, it's not like a landing gear or something, you know, like a... Yeah, landing gears are fun. Yeah. Umbra buyer saving the day with the the mattress landing i think it was like the first big mattress landing we had when i was there oh that definitely wasn't the there, first one there was several there was quite a few do you I just remember buyers got an award for that though probably he got some award and so did some staff sergeant from our shop from airframes who i can't remember the name of who wasn't doing anything useful at all he was just present um, um so <laughs> was that the major I really don't want to call him out. Fuck it. Was it the OIC? I think it was the OIC of airframes. Yes. Flying that. Uh, that so that his fault. It no, it was a hung landing gear. Basically, the handing the landing gear light or the uh. I remember it was basically the switch or something was. I remember what it was. I remember watching him fly that though, and he was like bouncing it off the back landing gear, trying to get the front landing gear to jar out. Like the that pilot was solid. I remember watching him like. Literally, like, come, you know, getting the nose within feet of the ground, bouncing it off the rear landing here, like, hoping he could jar it loose. And it was just mm-hmm. like... Was wait, wait, was that the hung landing gear? Or there, was, was that... there was a hung front landing gear. I don't know if... It was just what... The front landing gear wasn't coming out. 
Oh. They had to land the nose on, so they end up landing the nose on a stack of mattresses. Yeah, so that was those are the, um, I guess they're the ERT mattresses. Those yeah. are the stacks we had to make. Yeah, yeah. Those are the old barracks mattresses too. They looked like it. Yeah, they were. They look they looked like they had had sweaty, greasy bodies sleeping on them for years. Uh, those are called Marines, and you should respect them. They are our nation's heroes. They're dirty. They smell funny. And I know this because I was one. Yes. <laughs> Not the hero, just dirty I'm and sweaty. Gonna, I'm. Uh, call myself out on being a really dirty person there for a while. There was a long, a while on night crew when I would go, I was like so tired and over the day where I would go home still like greasy and stuff and just go to sleep without taking a shower first. Yes. Yeah. And I would do that for weeks at a time without washing my sheets. Bold strategy. In hindsight, that was really gross. That oh. is really gross actually. <laughs> but also... And what's weird Being is, roughly the same age as you and in that same time frame, and, like, I'm, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it was like, sleep's more important than anything right now because I have to wake up in time to get chow before I go back to work. Yeah. I No, I totally get it all, and I understand all those games, but also there was a lot of times where I just went, you know what? I really want to shower today. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Well, I showered every day. I just sometimes I didn't do it till the next morning before going back. It was like at some point I had this realization like, oh, this is really gross. I should really shower before I go to bed. Then my sheets stay fresh and clean. I, my, yeah. my bed is nicer. If you shower before bed, your yeah. bed stays clean, and then you'll wake up clean. Except then nicer. I found out about night sweats, and I'm like, what are night sweats? I don't have night sweats. Other people told me about them. I'm like, oh, that's gross. Heard of an air conditioner? Yeah. Even when we didn't have air conditioning, like we had a summer where we didn't have AC, at least in the room I was in. There was a lot of rooms in that barracks. Yeah. I don't know if it was the whole barracks or if it was just, like, blocks of it. But anyway, yeah, I just put, like, a little, like, fan on the back of my rack blowing over me. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm nice and cool now. I think I had an oscillating fan that would just get my entire body. Yeah, I just put one right behind my head so it was, like, blowing over my face and down my body. Oh, I couldn't deal with that. I like the oscillating great. fans where it just, like, gets all of it. Yeah. But... It's like I think it was only one su- one full summer we I went without AC in those barracks, but weirdly enough there was there was like one winter where we had partial heat and there was two different barracks I lived in that had almost no heat. Like I don't know what it is about Marine Corps barracks and uh, their maintenance, but it was a uh, pretty. Let's sad. be very honest that it was a much older barracks. Yeah, yeah. So it was like uh, there was the student barracks we stayed in. You Those ones are very old, yeah. Forty ten. Yep. Was it? Yeah, right next to the chow hall. Yeah, that place uh, had the group bathrooms, and yes. when we were on the third floor, some of the windows were broken out. That wasn't me, I swear. Doesn't matter. Uh, they just didn't repair them. I think we had a missing window in our room. Oh god! <laughs> like it was winter. I mean, North Carolina's not <sighs> that bad, but Coburn had a gas heater. Fun in his room. story about that. So. The that barracks yeah. forty ten, and then you know like we were all up on third deck and like and yeah. I guess it was the wing to the right or wherever the wing was, mm-hmm. um. Farabaugh, I think it was Farabaugh, fell asleep in his room like. I forget when it was, but I remember he was in there and he locked the door, and he couldn't, and like we're like he was just dead asleep like he wasn't waking up for the world it was just like mm-hmm. morning or the middle of the day or sometime like maybe taking a nap maybe not i don't remember but 
So if you popped up those tiles, you could climb over the next the wall to the next room. Oh, that's not surprising. So oh. Dishler had to <laughs> climb over to wake him up <laughs> and unlock the door. <laughs> because, nice. yeah. Uh, so yeah, you could break into someone else's room just by going over the wall. And I'm like, that explains why I can hear everything going on in all the rooms around me. Unfortunately, yes. Yes, you can. Which wasn't anything, like, really nefarious. No. It was just kind of like, I'm a Marine. And you're just, you know, like a boot, like, in a schoolhouse. Everyone's boots. Everyone's stupid. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they did health and comfort while I was there. That was fun. Didn't get one of those. Yeah, they, uh, we were slightly terrified for a few minutes because they found a case of empty beer cans in our ceiling. But it was, like, old enough to where it was had an expiration date on it that was like years before we were there nice <laughs> and they were all bone dry so like nothing came of it but they like somebody found it in the ceiling and it was like why were you looking up there like we didn't even know you could think about hiding stuff up there like and uh they they could find it and he's like you guys stand by here we'll be back they never came back they probably <laughs> put it there <laughs> but that's how they knew it was there maybe that maybe that's what it was maybe they're just messing with us they hid it there while we were outside in formation waiting to go in no they put it there when they went through the schoolhouse oh. like five years ago <laughs> he's like i wonder if this it's like i know where to find something where i had this kids. room when i was a psc like yeah. let's see i'm gonna find this i'm gonna t- i'm gonna tell them i think it's theirs and then i'm they're all gonna fry yeah let's make them sweat <laughs> probably wouldn't surprise me it sounds like something I feel like if you were going to stay in career-wise, it'd be you should probably play, have a couple of long-term like pranks. Yeah. Where you hide stuff and it's like, okay, I'm hiding this to mess with someone later in some way. Like, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like I got a 50/50 chance of this putting put off and it all depends on like me becoming a schoolhouse instructor. Maybe. Got to get it. Anyway, yeah. So, I don't know, it's just all the barracks were I stayed in were junk, though. 4020 was one of the nicer ones. Like, even at MSG, it was their old building. Mm-hmm. And once again, like, missing windows. Heat that only had, like, a radiator-style heater that barely worked. Like, we all had, like, sleeping bags in our rooms. <laughs> in our room. <laughs> so what you're saying is, is that the Marine Corps prepared us for Russian prisons? Probably not that. Probably not. Not as, not as good. I don't know. Being bootless in Siberia sounds a little worse. It does. If you wanted to escape, I you want to bring a fat things. person to, uh, to eat. <laughs> or be fat before you get there so you last longer. No, no, no. That was the thing. So people that were wanting to, like, I've heard this from people okay. who have read the Gulag Archipelago, uh, and that the ones, people that were trying to escape would, like, recruit a fat person, and they called him a cow. Oh, and no. that's basically what they would use them for because... There's no food source in Siberia. No. Not when you're running away from a gulag. Yeah. There's a, one of my favorite books by Louis L'Amour is uh, called The Last of the Breed. And it's about this fictitious Air Force pilot who goes down over Siberia. It's, I think he's like, like a U-2 or some old spy plane. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he ends up going to prison. He escapes. It's like a year, year and a half of him escaping across Siberia, like slowly. But he, and he's a... Uh, he was raised in, like, Idaho or something. It's like, one side of his family is Native American. So he's, put, like, putting all of his skills to use, like, you know, hunting and trapping animals and making 
bows and stealing weapons and yes yeah yeah selling tanned hides and a friendly village like all you know eventually like gets to the the far east side and kayaks across the strait to alaska you know Ooh. yeah yeah uh so he uh at the end there's a an what's the there's a native like siberian guy who's like sent to track him down Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's their the Russians tracker, and eventually he like scalps him. He they end up ha- having a face off, and he scalps him and sends it back to the the colonel in charge of the prison. It's a fun book. It's good. It, I like it. I, sounds great. Yeah, yeah. So if you ever want to read a western western ish fiction, but based in uh, you know Russia. <laughs> so do you, are you familiar with Louis Lamour? He I know a, the name. There's a bunch of other books, and he wrote, can't like, think of something that he read, but I know the dozens name. Dozens and dozens of like small Western books. Most of them are pretty short. Last that reads one of his longer novels, and it's not even like a super long novel. So mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it was a. Uh, it was like I read most a lot of his stuff in high school because it was like good, easy reading. Nice. Or before that, no. Okay, so in Tennessee, in like. K-8 when I was in school, uh, like 6th, 7th, 8th grade. Mm-hmm. That's some program where you had to read books and take tests on it and get points, and you had to get so many points per month. So I went from, like, homeschool to public school, and I just, the first, like, probably six months or a year of that, I survived off just taking tests on books I'd read before, like, that I got a lot of points for, like Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. You know? Oh, sweet. Yeah, because I'd read all those that stuff like that when I was, like, pretty young. Right. And then it was like, oh, I've got to get more points. And like, but it's like, I'm not a fast reader. I just liked reading good stuff, but I wasn't a fast reader. So I started reading like short westerns and goosebumps and Hardy Boys books, like, you know, because they're like super easy reads just to like crank out points on that system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway. You were uh, just explaining Louis Lemore. Yeah, sorry. Anyway. Uh,. After that, I didn't read a book for like made me hate reading though. I didn't read book like read a book for fun for like years after that. I read for fun. I hated reading for English class. Yeah. Where they're like, tell us what you thought the author meant by the door was red. I don't know. Maybe the, it was the color oh, no. red, which is a primary color. I, I was no way idea. Too literal for all that stuff. Anyway. Same here. I'm just like I don't know. He maybe he was just explaining the color yeah. of the door. I think the first thing I read for fun again was after I joined. I started reading the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I tried that. I couldn't get into it. I never. It. I never finished the whole se- the whole series. I got through book like four, I think, and then I think it was when I was going to MSG that I was like I was in the middle of another book, and I just never picked up the series again. I think I picked so. up Starship Troopers by Robert Heinlein, which was on the Commandant's reading list, and I was like, I'm going to get like some extra points to like get promoted to whatever I was trying, probably sergeant at that point because I was still yeah. a corporal. And then I went down a Robert Heinlein rabbit hole of reading. I, I should probably read more of his stuff. I like Starship Troopers. I highly recommend The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. That's probably my favorite okay. of his. All right. Cool. And that's where the phrase "there ain't no such thing as a free lunch" comes from. Is that book? Well, at least as I know it through yeah. popular culture. Okay. Yeah. For anyone who's interested, Starship Troopers is nothing like the movie. Starship um, Troopers all. is fucking amazing compared yeah. to the movie. The and movie. The, okay, I'm gonna give the movie. The movie was highly entertaining. Yeah, the movie's highly entertaining, and it's a it's like a giant satire, basically. Yeah. But it's nothing like the book at all. No. <laughs> Except the first time I was like, wait a minute, while I was reading this book, I'm like, 
they have power suits. <laughs> I'm like, what? This is great. And then it turned into from power suits to like, wait a minute. And like through the power suits, so like, you know, basically kind of like an exoskeleton, but it's also a suit yeah. that like encapsulates them so they can Which like. Which is way cooler than the troopers in the movie. Yes. Way cooler. But also I understand why they didn't do it in the movie because they were like, how much money is this going to cost to put these on all the actors? Oh, no. When they made the movie, they couldn't have done that. They, no. With they remade the movie now, they could do it like that because they'd be CGI is so cheap. They could like. Yeah, they could have to. They do it for like the main characters and all the ones behind them would be yeah, CGI'd yeah. in. And well, they so pro- what they was the phrase that they it. said for like when they're like on the move? It's like on the bounce or on the jump. I honestly don't remember. I'm pretty sure it's on the bounce. It's been way too long. On the time. bounce, trooper, let's go because like they would bound as you would like think right. like jumping bounce. Yeah, yeah, because they're super powered body armor. Yes, and suits. that's how they killed the bugs. Yeah, which is. Far more amazing. And in the book, they were also fighting, what was it, the Skinnies? Was there some other, or was that, am I thinking of an entirely different science fiction? So I think they were fighting some another race before they no, fought the bugs. They called the, there was a form of the bugs that they called the Skinnies. Oh, okay. Which is why they call, when, like, the Black Hawk Down era, like, mm-hmm. those rangers and those people, that's why they called the Somalis Skinnies, uh, is because of the book Starship Troopers, not their size. Because they I were, like, the Deltas and the Rangers, like, yeah. at that time frame, were, like, really into Starship Troopers. Of course. It's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. it actually does have tactics in it, yeah. which is why it was also on the Commandant's reading list. Yeah, it wasn't just a fun fiction. Yeah. I read it because it was, like, the funnest thing on the Commandant's reading list at the time. It was glad way better than Rifleman Dodd. It, I never read that. Uh, and it's decent. I also read, read what was a letter to Garcia or something. Did like, not do that any, one. Like, I hardly read anything off the list. Anyway, uh, that sent me on a rabbit hole, though, of reading other power armor books in science fiction. Nice. So, uh, oh, man. There's one just called Armor. I can't remember the author right now. I'll remember it later, probably. Another one called The Forever War. Uh, these are all different authors that are, there's like, that are bo- those are both really good, though. They're old science fiction. Which are the better ones? Yeah, I li- that I liked. They're fun. And then there's uh, some of the ones that are really good. I've read some other, like, or I should say, I shouldn't say I've read. I've listened to some audiobooks from the library on other series, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. call them good enough to recommend to people, even if they were fun. So, anyway. But, anyway, the power armor, like, genre, if there's a book that's based on, like, that, you know, science fiction... We have giant body suits. I'm probably going to, like, enjoy reading it just because, I don't know. I like a... science fiction, but I don't like to, like, stay in, like, the same, like, genre of it. So I, like, shoot all around. Yeah. So the last series I read would have been the Hyperion Contos. So it's four books about this fictional planet called Hyperion. And then it goes into Endemion as the last two. and okay. But it's... I don't even know how to explain it because it is so overarching and large. Mm-hmm. And, like, I forget what, like, classic literature it's, like, based oh, off of. Yeah. But it... That one was good, but it took me a while to read. Okay. 
And now uh, I'm reading the uh, Trip Ainsworth books, the uh, Smoke Pit Fairy Tales, where it starts off normal and then it goes into science fiction and it's great. So the first book is the Epic of Gilgamesh. The second book is Achilles mm-hmm. and Troy. And that's when they start fighting the Russians. Third book is Aftermath of World War Three with the Russians. And it's the Odyssey. And that's where I'm at right now. Oh, fun. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so he's basically cool. like turning marines into sci-fi things aliens are in the first book and so we get their technology that's why the russians start getting all wily and starting taking over uh their old lands uh so us the germans the brits and a few the russians like they all they all have this russian or alien technology which is mm-hmm. basically like gundam suits okay. for pilots right so like you know shit starts getting spicy and then world war three kicks off and uh, nuclear winter okay it's fucking wildly entertaining because it's you know troop level marines like smoking cigarettes talking shit and like wild things happening and being said nice also one of them gets married to an alien <laughs> <laughs> which just look like humans with green skin and oh, like they have okay. their own oh, whatever that's well not, to make the seer the story not an octopus i actually interviewed him for deal. one of these um like i like the guy he's great yeah but but I suggest people read it if you're into one Marines and two science fiction. If okay. Those two things are things you like. You will fucking love these. Okay, cool. It's one you might like. It doesn't have any Marines. Uh, Adrian Tchaikovsky, something. Uh, Shards of Earth, Children of Ruin. Anyway, he's got the series I've heard of, of books. Those, yes. Okay, yeah. Uh, Children of Time. That's the book. Is the start. It's the one you need to read. Children of Time. Okay. There's a second book that comes after it called Children of Ruin. Uh, anyway. I actually have both of them in paper in a t- bag. I was going to put in a giveaway box somewhere if you want. Nice! Uh, <laughs> sitting a few feet away. Um, it's right behind anyway. you. Yes. Uh, Earth becomes unlivable. Uh, there was like a super society that destroyed themselves, and then humans finally crawl their way back to space. But the Earth is so far gone that yeah, that point that they still have to escape, so it's like arc ships and stuff, and it's just this story of like, these people are putting themselves in, you know, on ice, like mm-hmm. suspension, and then they'll wake up, and you know, stuff happens. They'll put themselves back in suspension. So it's like the story that's crossing millennia until they finally get to where they're going, you know. But there was also like terraforming projects, and you know, all kinds of stuff out there by the the ancient society that collapsed. So they're trying to find stuff like that, and there's intelligences out there because of that stuff that aren't human and. It's, it's it's really interesting, actually. So it does sound interesting. I give you the books if you want them. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Starship Troopers. We've talked about books. Um, what were you we were talking in, about before that? Uh, I think we were talking about the military. So no. let's go back to that. So you were in an air wing unit, and let's go to MSG now. Okay, because air wing's boring. So it is boring MSG Marine Security Guard. Uh, embassy duty. Embassy duty. They're the guys you see standing around and that blue Jason suits Bourne a, always kills. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't happen. He wouldn't have gotten in. Well, maybe back in the day, a long time ago, you could have gotten through an embassy that easily. But you mean before digital camis? Yes. Well, no. I mean, just like the way embassies are laid out now, you're not just going to run through one. Okay. Like there's mag locked doors everywhere. So without getting into the armored box, you know, and where you can ma- have the master controls, you're not just running through all the doors. 
all the doors have like passcodes where it's either like you have to know a code to get in or you have to know like you have to badge in. Got it. Or somebody has to physically press it from an armored box somewhere watching a camera has to press a button to let you in after you like show your ID to the camera. Like you're not just running through a building like that. I, can see I really that. like the Jason Bourne movies though, even though they're ridiculous. Yeah. Um, they're entertaining. Yeah, they're great. Uh, I like cheap, entertaining movies. Um, because you're I, cheap and you like to be entertained. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I used to like movies that, you know, the, what do you call them, artsy films and stuff, where it was like the like deeper artsy stuff. Like a French person smoking a cigarette in black and white trying to yeah. figure out philosophy and why they lost love. Yeah, yeah, so whatever, you know, stuff like that. I used to kind of <laughs> like that sort of thing. And then it's like I got older and, and like, I had less time to, like, I, you know, watch TV. And, have life things to do, and it's like... Got 30 minutes, entertain me. It's like, if I want to sit down and watch TV now, I want it to be fun and entertaining. Give me a Marvel movie. Uh, (laughs) It's like, I want it to be cheap and fun. (laughs) Give me a Marvel movie or Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so MSG. So you apply. You have to apply for it. You have to meet a bunch of qualifications. You have to go to a school that people hype up as being way tougher than it is. Okay. Uh, like the guy we were talking about earlier, what was it? Who was it that went to MSG school? Jones. Jones. Yeah, I think he told me you had like all the instructors were like marathon runners, and they would. I'm pretty sure he was messing with me because I. Or they all left by then. Or they'd all left, but he's. I also didn't. It wasn't that long after he was there that I went. And it would have like, been because he went when we were still at VMAX. So that would have been like 2004, and you didn't go oh, there until was, after oh, I was out. Yeah, yeah, was so that few, would have been after 2008. Yeah, it was a few months after t- you left in 2008 when I went. So. Yeah, so there would have been uh, like four years in there. Yeah, okay, maybe it was a while. So anyway, but he t- he like played it up like, oh, oh, they're all marathon runners, and they run everybody, and there's a they have a, a chase van. You know, that they're all in, and the instructors just take turns getting in and out of the van while they run you to death. And they do that every day. But the thing is, like, I met a few other people who'd done MSG, and they all told me, like, equally ridiculous stories about how, like, physically hard it was, or, like, whatever. So it's, it's like the Marine Corps version of, like, some dude coming back to, like, a pooly function, like, what was boot camp like? Like, oh, they fucking, like, take you out to the sandbox every day. They literally murder you every day, and you have to come back to life. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway. Pretty, wait, I was third battalion. That didn't happen to you? <laughs> no, I was the I was the men's battalion, first battalion. That's not the men's battalion. Pretty sure that's fourth you're thinking of. Uh no. And for yeah. all the West Coast yeah. Marines, fourth battalion is it's where the, the battalion. is the female battalion. Sorry, the women's female Marines. Female Marines. They're not women, they're female Marines. They're that's better than right. real women. Remember that F-E in female stands for iron, and male is man, so they're iron men. Something. I don't know. Neither do I. Massively sidetracked again. Yeah, My ADD and your ADD are just... Yeah, yeah, we'll get there eventually. So anyway, MSG school, it's, uh, it's, like, tough, but it's not the impossible thing people make it out to be. Well, yeah, because people have to get through. And once again, it's a school, so they look for lots of little things to pick on people for. You know, uh, there was a kid in my, my schoolhouse detachment that break the all bear day up in the little groups of, like, you know, five or six students. Right. And they're a fake detachment, uh, like you were out at an embassy, and they have one of the detachment commander students is in charge of you. So, they, you know, everybody's in these little 
five, six, seven, eight man groups. And there was a guy in my group. So we go to the we had our range weeks where we were doing pistol, shotgun, rifle. And like everybody who's not on the range, we're sitting around for hours at a time. Kind of like a real range, like a normal range, except it's yeah. State Department qualifications. You'd be sitting around for hours at a time. So people are out there with like their old school iPods, you know, and their wired headphones, like sitting there when they're sitting around bopping. Mm-hmm. And one guy in my detachment, it keep in mind a student deck commander had actually told people it was okay uh, to do this when they weren't, like, actively involved in training. So one of my guys, he, like, walks, like, 20 feet, like, from one spot to another. And an instructor sees him and yells at him and gets in trouble for it. And all these student detachment commanders don't say a word, even though one of them who was standing there had told everybody it was okay. <laughs> they don't back him up at all. Uh <laughs> And he gets in trouble for it, but they let him. They don't kick him out. But they get to the la- like the last like uh, final thing you do, which is like this interview with uh, some sergeant major and a federal agent from a diplomatic security service, and like one or two other people that are. For me, I forget if they were. I think there's like a State Department diplomat, maybe or something. I don't remember who all was in there. It was a couple of like high-ranking people though that are more important than you, mm-hmm. who are interrogating you about your time there and how you did and. All this other stuff. And, oh, they also do the peer reviews, where they make everybody Ooh. review each other. And oftentimes, if there's anybody who's, like, not liked by everyone in his detachment, they're probably going to get booted from school. <laughs> uh, okay. It's like, basically, they ask the questions, like, would you trust this person to have your back in a firefight kind of thing, you know, that, that sort of question? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, which I guess that's fair. Like, if nobody trusts him, then, because the trust is a big thing. Mm-hmm. So, but because it's yeah, an anyway, embassy but, versus a yeah. country. Yeah, yeah, but they wait till then, like this this week of the portion of school to finally kick that guy out for that incident, like weeks before at the range. Um, Jesus. Yeah, which so a staff NCO had told him was fine, told all of us was fine, and no, then didn't back him up on. Anyway, that guy later made it out to the program. I saw him. I actually saw him when I went to Croatia. Oh, okay. He was there. I was like, oh, hey, you're here. It's like, did you have to go through the school again? He's like, yes, the whole thing. So he basically went through MSG school twice. <laughs> uh, That's dedication to wanting it, though. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but... Did he get, like, instant recycle, or did he have to, like, wait no, a little bit? No, he had to, like, go back to the fleet. And then, and like, reapply. reapply the whole process oh, over again. God. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's wanting it. That's good on him, though. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's ridiculous. And so... And after you've gone through it once, the whole thing would be easy. It's, it's like you might be a little sleep-deprived, but it's not like a big deal. So so I've heard that, you know, you get – so it's a two-year thing or three. something like three-year thing? Yeah, three. So I heard you do one portion of time in a quote-unquote third-world country or a shittier country, and you do another portion mm-hmm. of time in like a better country, like a first-world country. Yeah, hypothetically – that's what I've what, heard. What they say is you do you do three posts as a watch standard. Deck commanders do two posts, so they okay. do a year and a half at one, a year and a half at another. Watch standards do a year at each post, and they say hypothetically you do like one nice post and one hardship post and one in between post. Okay. Uh, they also let people have choices every time, which I met people who said they got it what they asked for every time. Most of the people I knew never got anything they asked for. Uh, <laughs> which. Sounds like the military because yeah. I wanted West Coast, but there was no Ospreys there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when they when we filled out that thing early on, it's like, 
like, where do you want to go? It's like, I want to go to overseas, West Coast, East Coast. And I end up in Ospreys in North Carolina. Same here. And I'm like, this is basically like Tennessee, but with swamp and ocean. Uh, <laughs> I did like it, though, because home was driving distance. I'm like, yeah, okay. In hindsight, North Carolina actually wasn't bad at all. Like a place to be, especially yeah. if I'd gotten off base more and done things I enjoyed. Like fishing, Going kayaking. over to like, Raleigh, yeah. Wilmington, and Myrtle Beach had great concerts. Yeah, no, I mean, there was good stuff in the area. Yeah. And if you liked outdoorsy things, like I do, and I wish I had gotten into back then. Yeah, I wish yeah. I had gotten into a lot more there, too. It's like I could have had endless hours of entertainment with a fishing pole and a kayak off right on base. Like I had endless hours of entertainment driving 15 miles south of base and just having a cheap bodyboard. So, I didn't discover surfing till like years later, and I wish I just—I dis- know we didn't have good surfing in that area. It was Wantland used actually, to surf. Wantland surfed, Jones surfed. Yeah. I know those two did. Yeah. Um, I never tried it till after I got out of the core, and after that, I was like, man, like I—I I could have been doing this every weekend. I think there was an Avi sergeant from Hawaii too. Yeah. Forget his name. I have his yeah. face in my head though. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm like, man, I could have had such a better time in North Carolina than I did. Mm-hmm. I still had a good time, but I was like, I could have. Yeah, so surfing it was been awesome. bigger down by Wilmington, actually. Oh, sure. Because there's surf shops there. Um, there's actually a band me and Ryan fucking love, yep. Lamb of God. They're from Richmond, Virginia. Not important. Their lead singer is from Wrightsville Beach. Okay. And, uh, like, you know. I got to follow him online now, so I get to see a lot more of what he says and posts and stuff. Right. But, yeah, there's, like, a lot of surf shops down that way. Like, Wrightsville Beach was south of Wilmington, so other side of the Cape Fear River, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Whatever river's there. Okay. But it's, like, yeah, basically the other side of there, and that's where, like, there's more, it's way more surfing-oriented from yeah. what I can tell. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, huh, that's why I never got that bug. Yeah, I most well. I mean, I just mostly went to Topsail and then uh, like Emerald Isle sometimes. So it's like pretty chill beaches. Not a, you don't see a lot of waves. Yeah. So, so it is the outer side of still kind of that Outer Banks Barrier Island chain. Right. And actually, I've gone on vacation to the Outer Banks, and that's there's more surf shops there, but it more depends on the swell for how it looks. Mm. But because of the way, you know, it works with, like, the surf out there and, like, not getting as much good waves, like, those guys are way more serious. So I was, like, talking to a guy in a surf shop there one day, mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, I went out to, uh, to like, California and San Diego, and, like, they had no clue what we, like, we were not speaking the same language. Like, the guy seemed like he was just way too casual about surfing. He was just like, oh, hey, yeah, like, you know, where, like, this dude that I was talking to was, like, serious, knew what he was talking about, mm-hmm. and just like... And he was way younger than me, too. And I'm like, fucking good for you, dude. Yeah. Well, parts of Cali, you don't have to be serious. It's like you can just grab a board and show up at the beach. It's like, oh, you yeah, to, I'm you there. You just have to know what beach to show up at for what level of waves you'd want. <laughs> like, And it's going to have them. I mean, but maybe the, he, that kid just got like a mm-hmm. bad experience where it's like you just have to more look the part and be able to half talk it. And right. Like you can pass off at his off as that I'm yeah, like yeah. maybe he had that experience okay. whereas if you would have talked to someone else who would have maybe the 
people who actually knew what they were fucking talking about were surfing right. that day. So. Like, there's lots of possibilities where it's like maybe you just had a bad experience and that led you to thinking that. Because, like, I've talked to people in California before. I'm like, I don't know shit about surfing, but they seem knowledgeable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Don't know. Yeah. We got way off course. We're talking about security guards. Yes. Marine ones. Mall cops. Fancy mall cops. Yeah, but no. Button pushers. If you say so, you know more about it than I do. They they do they push a lot of buttons. They call themselves that, so. Okay, well, I mean, so, you anyway, can say it kind of oh, like how a, I can say Jarhead. What do you call it, a caveat or a disclaimer? The Marine Security Program has changed drastically since I was there, so things I say may not apply now. They are outdated, much Way like outdated. my knowledge of the aircraft. Yeah, so and I do know things started changing rapidly right after the Benghazi thing, which was like right after I got out. So. Okay. Yeah, that started changing how the State Department handled its security pretty drastically. So, Where were you posted? Me. So, anyway, we were talking about hardship, all that. So, uh-huh. my first post was in Germany. Anyway, where were we at? Um, Germany. Cha- Germany. Yeah, so I got to go to Ger- Frankfurt, Germany, uh, which it turns out is actually, I would consider, the armpit of the Marine Security Guard program. Uh, shut up. You go, girl. That's what I say to dogs when they're barking. What did she say? I don't she, know. All right, so Frankfurt, Germany sucked. Yeah. Uh, okay. Nothing wrong with Germany. Well, Germany's, it was the armpit Germany's of the MSG place. program, I believe, is what you described. Yeah, yeah. It's because that consulate is also has the... Uh, Hout is also the office space for like four different MSG regions of the world. Okay. So there's a lot of like lieutenant colonels and first sergeants and captains running around who think they know how to run the MSG program and don't seem to actually understand what an MSG's job is. Um, and they're also the guys who are in charge of your like your uh. Your fit reps, if you're like a sergeant or above, too. You know? Okay. So, yeah. Um, anyway. So it's just. And then uh, I don't know. It seemed like the deck commanders, both the deck commanders I had there and one of the assistant commanders were people they were trying to keep an eye on because they were like the some of the worst dirtbags I ever worked for. Uh, Solid. Uh, like some of the. One of the A slashes I had there was a, net, was a grunt and from early GWAT stuff, and he was awesome. Okay. He works in nuclear security now, or at least did last time I talked to him years ago. And the other one was a dirtbag who I learned a lot about how not to be as a Marine from him. Uh, It's amazing how many times you you learn that from people. It's like, like, I thought people at, like, 204, like, a lot of those guys were, like, bad. And shady. And shady. Now, this guy, like, topped all of them. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I almost got NGP'd while I was there, like right after I picked up Sergeant. Because nice. Of him. Yeah, he it was. I broke some minor rule I, that I didn't realize I'd broken until the next day when he pointed it out, and it was over alcohol that he had bought me. So we had a we had a, like a detachment outing, and him and the and the deck commander both were like buying us shots, and they're like, "Oh, you drank eight hours before you were on duty the next morning." It's like, really? What time were we? It's like I'm pretty sure I stopped more than that, but nobody knew what exactly what time. I like I couldn't say like. <laughs> 
yes, I stopped drinking at exactly 8.49 p.m. or, you know, and nobody could say, like, I saw him take a shot at midnight. Nobody could, like, nobody knew. Right. It was, like, it was really stupid. So he tried to fry me for that, and they've let it go all the way to, like, an NJP hearing in the company office, which happened to be at the same consulate since we were there. And it basically, like, like I have, like, corporal chevrons in my pocket. It's like, well, I'm going to be a corporal again, <laughs> or I'm going to get fired from the whole program. And, like, miss my goal of being an MSG, like, yep. successfully. Anyway, and it gets in there, and he's basically like, okay, you probably broke a rule here. It's like, and then, but basically, like, I'm not NJPing you, and started, like, reaming out my staff, my staff sergeant, my gunny, in front of me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because it's like, they tried to turn me in for something that they were responsible for. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that they couldn't even prove I had done. <laughs> um, so... They w- <laughs> they made it painful too because they like and they like took it as a serious investigation. Like they interviewed everyone in the detachment who was there multiple times. It became a very annoying thing for a lot of people. Uh, anyway. Yeah. And then like they kicked me out of the office, CO's office, and me and the, me and the first sergeant went down the hallway to have like a debrief with him. And while. He, while the CO just basically ramped up his chewing out. <laughs> the first sergeant was basically like, these guys are idiots. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you come with me. These two are, yes, shall we say, special or touched. It was, it was, like, it was like the first time a first sergeant ever told me, like, the people who were in charge of me were idiots. <laughs> uh, it was actually, I mean, well, I actually hardly didn't see first sergeants really until MSG. We, only, we didn't really have those on the wing, so... No, we had a Master Sergeant for maintenance? Yeah, we had a Master Sergeant and Master Guns. Yeah, and then so we had... And a Sergeant Major, but, uh, like, I... We had, uh... Um, the only times I ever... I remember the only time I ever saw First Sergeants was, like, if I went over to Geiger for something, and you'd, like, see somebody with, like, a couple of rockers and be like, oh, hi, First Sergeant. We had officers, though. And be like, hi, First... He'd be like, now I'm a First Sergeant. He's like, oh, sorry. He's like, you're from the Air Wing, aren't you? It's like, yeah. <laughs> It's like, sorry, I don't see you guys often. <laughs> Forget to look at the little thing. I just counted rockers. I mean, yeah, there's that or, you know, just be like, oh, sorry, Airwing, I don't know. Yeah, anyway. So, anyway, went there, did that. Germany's awesome. Great place. Public transit, food, it's all awesome. Anyway, uh, went to Cameroon next, West Africa. Oh, nice. Cameroon was awesome. I loved Cameroon. I had a great group of guys while I was there. Uh, I remember I was following you on Facebook on that time, and like I saw like just random snippets you would post, like I'm having the time of my life, and I'm just was. like, I'm like, that looks so awesome. Yeah, I mean we were all over the place while we were there. We had a couple times when we were shorthanded, so there was like a this really weird week. We were about to stand up the detachment in Sudan. So we had like an extra guy for a few month or two. Mm-hmm. So we were like overstocked. So we were working like. It was like work two days and you're off four. Sweet. It was like, that was like my first two months there. Oh, and that's yeah, great. It was like, which was total polar opposite of having Germany, where it was like work four or more days and you're off two maybe, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and then it was like, okay, we're sending this guy to Sudan because they're finally ready to stand up the debt. Uh, our A-slash just shattered her arm in half in a bicycle wreck. Woo. Yeah, they decided to go PT on mountain bikes when not everyone knew how to ride mountain bikes. Um, oh, that's bold choice. So she hit a curb and like 
just landed wrong and it shattered her arm. But that's also the Marine Corps way yeah, of, yeah. Uh, you know how to ride a bike, right? <laughs> oh, man. That was Let's the go. cringiest feeling was splinting her arm. Like, because they, like, went and got a got the, the Suburban and, like, and got her and brought her back and, like, bring her into the post. And, like, I got more medical come in there. And, like, I splinted her arm. And we had her standing up for this. This chick, nerves of steel, because, like, it made me cringe, like, hard just splinting her arm. And, like, I mean, she cleanly snapped both of her limbs. It was, oh, it was God like, damn. I told you about my elbow earlier. Yep. And this was, like, way worse. Uh, like, her arm in the middle was just hanging at a weird angle. Like, it's amazing she didn't, like, shred some nerves or veins or something in there. Because, you know. The bone wasn't sticking oh, out, damn. but it's like it was that bad. Anyway, so as I get older, like the oh. I hear about bone breaks, and I'm just like, ah. Where I was younger, like hearing about a bone break, I'm like, yeah, that's normal. It happens. Like you know, if it's a normal fracture, it's not still not that big of a deal. It's like oh, you wear a cast. For you a don't while. worry until it's a compound, and yeah. even then, like you know, if it's a compound mixed with it coming out of your skin that's when it's bad yeah yeah that requires everything surgery. other than that's fine and like now i hear it's just like oh yeah he like snapped something where it's like not yeah. bad i'm like oh i feel it yeah like oh, i'm old now yeah anyway so she like snapped her arm and we like we split it we get the embassy nurse to come in and she does a little more work and gives her some drugs yep and flies out of the country with her to because flies her back somewhere to, i think they took her to germany to get surgery uh makes sense um uh, maybe all the way back to the u.s i don't remember anyway she was like I'll be back, and I'm just like, no. I didn't tell her this, so like, because like she was on painkillers by this point. I'm like, no, she won't. She's not coming back. <laughs> she's been on the program for more than two years, though. She already has a ribbon. She's good. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> she got her. She got a ribbon. <laughs> anyway, uh, what was her name? Toledo, maybe. I don't remember her name anymore. She was cool though. She's uh, from Ohio. No, Toledo. That's the worst city ever. <laughs> I've been there one time. I hated it so much. I've driven through I was it. also a teenager, and I was there with my mom's fiancé at the time. Not the guy I was talking about earlier. The okay. The fiancé before him. Okay. Uh, worst. And I was, so I was a teenager, and I was moody and, you know, whatever. Teenagers. You listen to a lot of emo music? I liked Linkin Park a lot. Yeah. Loved Linkin Park. I think Chester's one of the few celebrity deaths that's made me sad. Uh, okay. So, yeah. That and Robin Williams. That one was bad. Yeah. Yeah, I liked him too. So, like, people get all upset when celebrities die. And it's like, you know, they don't. It's like, well, that's it's sad when anybody dies. They're, most of them aren't important to me. I like Linkin Park and I still occasionally like to pop it up on Spotify, listen to some old Linkin Park. I don't know. Didn't they find, like, an old recording and, like, make a song? I don't know. I think I'll they did. Anyway. I still like them. Uh, weird band you might like. Have you heard of the Who? H-U? Yes. Yeah, the Mongolian dudes? Yes. They're rad. I love. I like it so much. I, should, I made Rachel listen to it one day, and she lasted like 10 seconds. She's like, this is disgusting. I hate it. Never, never do this. There is a New Zealand band called Tai Kangata. Okay. And, it's like uh, Maori's doing the same thing. Maori heavy metal. Oh. <laughs> so basically, there's this song called Alien Weaponry. Okay. And basically, it's just about, like, firearms coming to New Zealand. Okay. And it's just like... I'll have to check it out. But, like, it is, like, heavy metal mixed with, like, Maori, Maori, however you say that word, chanting. And it's just like, 
Whoa. I mean, uh, if you've ever listened to like a legit haka, like that that's intense. So. Yeah, it is. I could see you combine some cultural aspects from that with some like metal heavy rock and like it'd be pretty cool. Oh, it is. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So I was talking about, anyway, we, we lost a person. We had to send one guy to an attachment. We had, we lost another person to an injury. Uh, and then our deck commander had to go to like some training thing. And then one of our RSOs, the regional security officers, they're the federal agents yes. in charge of security and embassies, and they're also in charge of the Marine Detachment. Anyway, one of them was already out of the country, and the other one got, like, an injury and left the country. We didn't understand why she left. For the, for, she got, like, a nail in her foot or something. It turns out she was pregnant, and that's why she wanted to take it more seriously, get it checked out. Uh, got it. Anyways, there was, like, this weird week where we was like, oh, there we went from a detachment of one deck commander and five Marines with extra Marines to no federal agents, no deck commander, and three Marines. Uh, Sweet. <laughs> it's like, so it was like a one or two week period. It's like, oh, I'm, it's like, well, I guess uh, you're the deck commander now, and uh, I guess I'm kind of like the, I'm the, I'm the federal agent, quote unquote. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, really doing anything they do. So, so it's, it's like, like a Monty in, Python who's in charge. Yeah, it's like two sergeants and a corporal. It's like, we're in charge of everything. <laughs> Sweet. It's like nice. Anyway, uh, but I mean that's kind of like how the MSG program rolled back then. Is like sometimes it's like life would be good, and sometimes you'd be super short-handed okay. for one or more months at a time, waiting for like new people to come in. So we'd be like, you know, one de- deck commander and three marines, and you're just rotating through. You're staying on the same shift for a month or two at a time. So it's like you're on midnight shift forever until the next until we get new people. And if you had a good deck commander like I did in Cameroon, he would take a couple. He would take more shifts. So, do you think they're like doing like they did with um, recruiting and drill instructor duty, where they're like, "You've been screened. You're good for this now." Because uh, so I remember, uh, like, one, so one of the changes they made is they started letting people sign up to the Marine Corps to join MSG like straight up. So they, oh. they, they would sign up uh, as infantrymen. So they'd go through a. SOI. SOI, thank you. Instead School of, of Infantry. Instead of, yeah, instead of MCT. And then they would they would go to the embassy program and it wouldn't count, it doesn't count as a B billet anymore. What? Yeah, it doesn't unless you're a debt commander, I think, or you join what are they what's the acronym? MSAU, MSAU, it's the Augment Security Unit. Uh, basically, it's the guys who have better training, and they're sent out to do kind of like Fast Team used to do, where they, okay. like, they send out a, a group of guys to enforce security when there's a, you know, tumultion in a country. So. All right. Yeah, so that's, I think those sucks guys. that it's not a B-billet. Yeah, those guys, if they're a sergeant or above, that counts as a B-billet for them is what I was reading, uh, or somebody was telling me, because it's kind of a tough program if they're married or especially so mm-hmm. that's the only way like a, I think you can do the embassy security now though as a married guys you have to be a deck commander or like a sergeant above an MSAL. Uh so that was one of the things with MSG is hmm. you couldn't be married and you had to like sign a little piece of paper that you couldn't you wouldn't get married while you were on the program and female marines had to sign they also wouldn't get pregnant <laughs> got it uh, and if you did either of those things you usually got fired you know if you got you got pregnant or if well if you're a girl you got pregnant you know and uh if you're a d- dude or female marine and you got married 
without permission, you got fired. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway. So. So anyway, sometimes life was good. Sometimes it was slow. Sometimes it was like really sucked. Uh, it was a job where they didn't respect your time. So like, everybody has a. That's like, the Marine Corps, though. Yeah, yeah. It was like worse than night crew air wing, though. It was like. Because we back then we did rotating shifts, so you do like a day or two on one shift and a day or two on the next shift, a day okay. or two on the next shift normally. And then we had our collateral duties, obviously, because you got to have those everywhere in the Marine Corps. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which they inspected way harder than they did when we were in the Air Wing. I believe it. Yeah, at least in uh, at the lower enlisted level. Anyway, so and then there's like you know you have drills that can be at any time of day, whether you're out in town or asleep or whatever, you know. You do a couple of those a month, and then just, like, guard school once a week where you have – it's just a detachment meeting. Uh, just, like, lots of stuff and where they just – so it was just, like, sometimes you were just exhausted for weeks on end. Like, it was really normal for me to go two to three days without sleep on a regular basis, and not that – not uncommon to go, like, a full four days, like, no sleep. <laughs> So okay. It was more than once in Germany when I got sent on like a supply run to an army base, like an hour away. Uh, when I hadn't slept for three days, because the like staff NCO's favorite snack had run out in the kitchen. Um, so I'd be driving like. I'm making like, the seriously <laughs> face right now, just so people who know, not, like, seriously, what the. F- yeah, so like me and the guy in charge of the kitchen would be like doing supply runs in an armored suburban on the autobahn <laughs> to nice. go to an army base. Yes, uh, <laughs> it's like neither of us had slept in like days, so we'd like take a pillow with us, and like one of us would sleep on the way there, and one of us would sleep on the way back, switch off. Solid move. Yeah, yeah, we were like two of the only people who had driver's license. Like local driver's license too, so like we got every time there was anything needed, it was like, oh, you guys are going. Uh, <laughs> so it's like I'm surprised they let you out of that one. Yeah, yeah. So we had a couple of that was the only post I drove at. It all the other posts we had drivers because we could afford them at other posts. But so we had like an armored suburban, a Jeep Cherokee, and a minivan. Sweet. <laughs> and uh, I got a armored suburban up to like a hundred and six miles per hour on the autobahn <laughs> nice thank god we didn't have to hit the brakes <laughs> how long yeah. have we been talking one hour 40 minutes and 38 seconds oh, wow this is gonna be really long and the most boring episode dude oh. no no this is like entertaining and actually good and okay. not the longest the longest one i did was with uh so it was the second one with one of my co-workers gabe guevara yeah. He's very good at talking. Mm-hmm. He's very interesting. He was born in Puerto Rico. Okay. Uh, almost... I'll listen to it eventually. Huh? I'll listen to it eventually. So oh, far, I'm going to listen to the ones with guys I knew. So It's very good. So he was born in Puerto Rico, almost got like drafted into baseball because he's lived and grew up in Florida. Okay. And uh, had basically some injuries happen. Then went in the Army. Okay. And... Eventually became a recruiter, and now he works with me. Cool. But he's got... Just tells stories really good, and the way he tells them, mm-hmm. he's very good at talking. Like, I didn't realize, like, three hours had passed when we were talking. Nice. Like, dude, it's been three hours, and I gotta pee. He's like, I gotta go to sleep. Also, right. we were drinking. Nice. Okay. So, anyway, he's good at telling stories. 
So um, he can tell a cohesive story, whereas for me, you have to be able to follow. It was not six cohesive. Of thought at the same. Okay. It's anyway. The same ADHD train. Oh, okay. It fine. started with never buy a car from someone with my, from Miami. That's, I'm like, that's, that's good that's, advice. Tell me why. I don't even know why, and it sounds like good advice. I don't know. Maybe it's Basically where I was, too. Yeah, so anyway. Uh, what do you want to know about the MSG program? About uh, the, so you so were in Germany, then Cameroon. Like, yeah. Tell me about Cameroon and uh, okay, so Cameroon like all that. Like, is a quote-unquote... Ryan was asking me about it. He's like, what did he do with this and this? I'm like, I don't know. Anyway, okay, Cameroon is quote-unquote a third-world country, like most of Africa, I guess. Uh, it's Franco- both Francophone and Anglophone. Okay. So mostly French, French and English. Mostly French, some English. Uh, everybody, most people speak English, at least or at least a pigeon English. Uh, so it was good uh, because it was like a poor country. We were able to like use our food money. B A S. Yeah. B-A-S. Basic allowance for sustenance. Is yeah, yeah. So is. we pulled our money together. Uh, they don't give you money for this. They just you get B A S, and we pulled it together, and we paid for uh a chef and a maid. Nice. Yeah. Uh, last time I talked, I heard the chef is still there. He's an awesome dude, Paul. Uh, Great. Let's see. We had a group of good drivers there. Uh, Jules retired a couple of years ago. Uh, they did a retirement party for him. They asked a lot of the former guys to send messages, so I made a little video. Nice. Telling a story about him. Uh, I went to his wedding, and uh, they fed me something that they thought was very funny for me to eat. They said it was Viper. Um, and I'm hoping that's what it was, and it wasn't something extra, even more weird. But I remember there was a couple dudes there that thought it was hilarious that I actually ate it. Uh, anyway. So, I don't yeah. know. Cameroon was fun. There was a restaurant local that was owned by an American dude. And I think his fam- he's like a Vietnamese-American. Okay. Who owned a Vietnamese restaurant in Yonde, Cameroon. And... Uh, this like six foot two gay Vietnamese dude, <laughs> gay American Vietnamese dude in a country where you're not supposed to be gay. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, which was hilarious. It was. Uh, anyway, he was the kind of guy where everybody's like, yeah, that's his restaurant's a great place to go meet people. He's a great guy to hang out with. Just don't trust him. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah yeah. So we all know people like that. It's like, yeah. Yeah, just don't just don't let them get you into anything. So he, you're great. This is oh, the, he's a great guy. Just don't yeah, do anything. Which is how I ended up on a blind date at the Chinese embassy. Um, <laughs> 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 so he, I'm telling he, you, they were trying to recruit you to yeah, their spy yeah. network. So he's like, hey, uh, I got a ticket to go to the Chinese New Year's party. It's like at the embassy. It's like you want to. It's like I don't really feel like going. Do you want to? Do you want to go? I was like, yeah, sure. He's like, okay, yeah, you're going with Judy. You met her the other day. So her name was Judy, not Judy. But anyway, he's like, she's the acupuncturist person you met you met the other day here. I was like, yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> I believe you. It's like, yeah. Uh, she was a nice lady. She her kid was hilarious. She had like a seven year old daughter. Okay. Yeah, uh, she. Uh, I don't know if she was like affluential. She was around like places you'd see international people a good bit. But uh, she had like massage and acupuncturist studio. Mm-hmm. Legit, nothing weird. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I got a massage one time. I fell asleep. So it must it was have been that good. It must have been that good. I don't nice. know. I woke up, like, was like, huh? What's going on? <laughs> it's like, how did I get here? It's like, oh, yeah. They yeah. drugged you and put a Huawei chip underneath your skin. Mm. 
That's just my guess. I have Chinese nothing to base this listening to us now. They don't need the one Why? under your skin where the battery died years ago. They got the chips and all the routers and cell yeah, phones, yeah, whatever. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. They, anyway. Everyone has all the information already. Yeah. Anyway. They have go, so much data, they don't know what to do with it. No. Uh, so I go to the Chinese embassy. I, like, show up in, like, a suit and tie because I, it's like, oh, it's an embassy. It's like, I'll, I go in the suit and tie. Yeah. I'm way overdressed. I and the there. only white guy. Yeah, and I'm white. I'm like, I'm the only white. There's, like, 2,000 people here. They're all Chinese, maybe a few other Asian varieties, but it's like, there are no white dudes. It's like, I'm the only one. I'm, you He's know, gonna sound average, racist. taller than everyone. Did you get called round eye? No. Damn. Uh, the only people, the only other people who weren't, like, Asian were, like, locals who were, like, catering. So okay. The, so, but it was, I don't know, it was kind of entertaining because there's, like, a lot of ceremony stuff. I didn't understand a word, obviously. Yes. I had to sit through a few speeches that I did not understand in Mandarin at it's all. It's like going to a Catholic church yeah. thing. It's like clap when everyone else claps, stand up when everyone else stands yeah, up. I went to a Greek Orthodox ceremony one time for a college project. Oh, my God, that sounds project. amazing. And it was actually really cool, and it was really pretty. Like, everything's gorgeous, and yeah. there's light and smoke, and, like, everything's, um, um, you know, all the, the Greek incantations. Yes! N- not a clue what was going on, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, it was cool. Um, and I don't know if uh, Judy thought it was a blind date either, but I found out later that that's what uh, Fee, the guy who set me up, was intending it to be. So, he was intending it to be a blind date. He was trying to set me up. Um, but it was, the place was chaos. Cause it's like, so all these people are sending, there's like three to any children, like three to five years old are basically in charge of keeping cups full. So everybody's like, yeah, send the kid on a beer run. Like, so there's just like three year olds running back and forth to the kegs, like getting people their beer. Um, like, I mean, it sounds like my childhood. I'm yeah. not going to lie. <laughs> So my dad all the time was just like, hey, go grab me another beer. Thanks. Yeah, it was basically that. So it was just, I don't know, it was just a weird event. That's kind of like, that was pretty early on while I was there. And uh, I, I told my boss, the federal agent about it. She was like, yeah, just, uh, you didn't do anything weird, right? You didn't tell anybody anything you were supposed to. Okay, cool. Just fill out your contact reports so we have on record who you spend time with so we can, like, track them. It's basically a way they, like, track people who interact with, like, yep. embassy personnel. So. They, if they see the wrong patterns, they'd be like, oh, this person might be intelligence or whatever, you know. Okay. Foreign asset. Uh, but, I mean, we did that. It's like I got to do a couple little trips while I was there. Went and climbed a, a Mount Cameroon. Like, we did a day hike up it. Yes. Um, me and an intern, we went to, a, like, a beach beach town. And then we found out that some more people from the embassy were in the same town at a beach, what they call the beach house. But it's actually on a cliff. With, like, a staircase going down to the ocean. Okay. Uh, it's, like, famous there, though. Um, so we went and hung out with them the second day. And then the third and the third day, went and cl- did the day hike up Mount Cameroon, which is a live volcano. Hadn't, That's pretty had, awesome. Hadn't erupted in a few years. You could see the last lava flow on the way to the beach, though. You have to, like, the highway, like, comes into this, like, 20-foot-tall blockage of old of lava. Nice. You know, mac- that's solidified, and the highway just makes this little... You turn around it like this is a little like 50 yard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, but you do this, so we go in from beach level. Uh, at the beach house, they, the water distiller was broken. You don't drink the local water. Um, yes, I can I understand that. I drank heavily back then, so I drank mostly vodka the night before. Uh, and get like two, we stopped to get water, which equaled two little tiny plastic water bottles for everybody mm-hmm. the next morning. So we hike up to like 9,000 feet from 
having been at sea level that morning. Yes, that's. We, uh, we started about we you know drive into the town, which is about three or four thousand feet up, but we hiked up well past the tree line to nine thousand feet. Like the air is starting to get to you, especially when you're doing it all at once. These all sounds like very marine things to do. Yeah, yeah. So most of the people only went up to like this cap. There's like these little shacks for hikers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most people stopped right above the tree line, and me, this uh, army colonel who had been SF. Uh, Awesome dude, Colonel Morgan. Um, I think he wasn't a Fulbert yet. He was, I think he was a lieutenant colonel. He worked for a, a, a different office. Mm-hmm. Um, this army, oh, what was she? I think she was in, I don't remember what she was. She was intel, but she was doing like a temporary job for that same office. And the embassy intern, who was like a, had been a college uh, competitive runner. Uh, okay. Yeah, she had been like a, cross-country runner at a very high level at a large college. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. So these are the three people that I, like, go the, the the next jump hunt up the mountain with. And they're all, like, pretty good. They also had more water than I did. And so I'm, like, severely dehydrated. <laughs> the altitude's getting to me. By the time we get up to the next cabin, I'm just like, I'm just going to lay down, guys. Um, it's like uh, you got, they, the, the guy that's with us like, yeah, you want to come look at the cave? And they're all like, yeah, let's go do that. I'm like... I'm just gonna lay down for a little while. Uh, <laughs> so the cur- the colonel, he was like, I was. Re- by the time we get back down the mountain, it's like I was really afraid I was gonna have to carry you. It was like you're showing like all the signs of like a like a casualty going down. Like it was like I was just dehydrated. The altitude was getting to me. Once we got like that going downhill, it was fine. <laughs> like, yeah, altitude but, and dehydration is not yeah. a good mix. But I had a good time there. Like, I got to go on all these little adventures, actually yep. do some fun stuff. I uh, met up with a buddy in a, to go do, climb Kilimanjaro that year. Did you uh, do Kilimanjaro? Yeah, we did Kilimanjaro. Sweet! Like, Kilimanjaro was, after doing a dehydrated, hungover hike, a uh, day hike. That's called, just, um... That was, like, it made... Conditioning? Yeah, yeah. Kilimanjaro, where they actually, like, you know, hike up and down like you're supposed to. You gain altitude, camp at a lower altitude, do all that. Yep. Take, it like, a five-day pace to get up there. Like, wasn't that bad. So, and it's beautiful. Like that's the the coolest sunrises and sunsets I've ever seen. Nice. So, uh, anyway. So is that the largest one on that continent? Yeah, yeah. That's the large. It's like just a little shy of twenty twenty k. Okay. And it's a it's a volca- standalone, you know, strata volcano, and it's a like a, it is the tallest mountain in Africa, and Mount Cameroon is like thirteen fourteen thousand feet. Still it's, respectable. The, it's like the tallest one in one of the tallest ones in West Africa. So still respectable. Yeah. I'm sad I didn't get to like do a two day and actually summit it since I could get like at least the, the tallest mountains on two opposite ends of the continent. Anyway, I also got to do a, a V POTUS support down in South Africa while I was there. So got to go uh hang out and at what a What is a V POTUS? Otis, Vice President oh. of the United States. I didn't hear the Otis part. Oh, I heard Vipo. I'm like... Vipotis. Uh, like, so that was during the World Cup. So I got to go hang out in South Africa for a few weeks during the World Cup. Nice! Yeah. So all three, the, all of us, uh, the guys they sent down there for that support uh, had all come from, like, countries with, like, less first world stuff. Mm-hmm. And South Africa is a weird and chaotic place, but it has everything. It's very first world in many ways. Because it was a Swedish colony? It was Dutch. Dutch, that's what the it was. Dutch, Dutch and the Brits fought over it. it you know, I don't know. It's, it's had a long history. Anyway, 
Yeah, I know, like apartheid and yeah, like, yeah, stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, they got some like fun last names yeah, there, which are some Boer Wars, lots of fun stuff. Anyways, yes. it's not Rhodesia though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got a fun briefing when we got there. The the local RSO was like, here's your crime briefing and what you need to watch out for. And it's like, man, the crime down here is serious. These guys like they don't play around. It's like if you're getting nope. robbed, just uh, you know, don't fight back because they probably have a buddy with a sub sub gun. <laughs> Hi, hiding behind you. <laughs> uh, anyway, but it's well then. We had a great time though. We did. We broke it up into. Tw- they only sent three of us for this one post we had to do, so we broke it into twelve-hour shifts so we could have the most time off. Yeah. Uh, and all three of us had come with, like I said, slightly more third-world countries. So it's like, oh, we have all this great food and we have real Guinness. Uh, they have Guinness in Cameroon. It tastes like burnt motor oil. And ah. I don't think it's actually legally associated with the real Guinness in any way. Um, anyway. They just, like, painted the word on there. I think, yeah. Put uh, a harp next to it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to tell you Cameroon has a decent beer. I, I didn't. I don't think they do. Anyway, but. Okay. That's fine. Anyway, we all had a great time because we, we all got, you know, hilariously sloshed at one point or another. Uh, we all ran our... We're living off room service. So, like, I end up making a lot of money in my travel claim off of uh, room service and, <laughs> and my bar tab, which got rolled into the room service. And they didn't, like, the hotel didn't, like, separate the itemize your uh It just says what it is. They itemized it into dry cleaning and then everything else. So it was, like, room service was our food. Like, okay, that's legit. And yeah. then the bar tab from the hotel, like... They didn't itemize that separately. It just got rolled into your room service, so it didn't say alcohol or anything. So it was like, oh. so uh, That was mighty nice of them. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I got my entire bar tab paid for on that trip, which was... Wait, my tax dollars paid for your bar tab? How dare you? Good job. I, You're proud com- of me. I am very proud. Yeah, no, that was that is actually the use of my tax money, actually. Yeah, anyway... Uh, that was fun. So, my last post was Oman. Uh, Oman's an interesting country. It's super safe. Oman? Oman. Sultanate of Right next Oman. to Yemen. Yeah, right next to Yemen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Uh, I don't know. It's odd. It's, you know, it's a Muslim country. It's kind of modern. It's uh, pretty conservative, but it's also got some... They don't mind there being bars at the resorts and stuff. Okay. Uh, I think the only time we were legitimately the only bar in town was during Ramadan. Are they an OPEC country? Like, they produce oil? <sighs> they do report, produce a lot of oil. They're Then they probably know how to, like, butter the bread of the businessmen they deal with. So yeah, that's yeah. probably why they're like, yeah, kind of blind eye. Yeah, they aren't nearly as big as, like, Saudi and, uh, right. and uh, UAE, you know. Yeah. A lot of the other countries are making way more oil. Uh, they're also have been trying to like find other businesses though for quite a while to like. The old Sultan was pretty smart. He died a while back. Uh, okay. And he's he was trying to like find ways to make money for the country long term that were sustainable past oil because he's like, we just can't don't want to count on it forever. So we Probably don't know. Can't. It might it might not last forever. So. It might be getting the Earth might be producing it faster than we think it does. It may not be all like actual dino juice. We don't know. Whatever. He's like, but we're not counting on it. So anyway, 
Oman's a cool place. I made a lot of friends there. Uh, most of my friends ended up being Indian expats. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, they're awesome. Got to do some adventure stuff there, you know, fun. Go see, hike some wadis and whatnot. Go, uh, went four-wheeling for the first time, first and last time ever, and that's how I dislocated my elbow. Which is another one of those yeah. things, uh, you know, like four wheelers aren't as stable as you think they are. Yeah, no, especially in soft sand. Uh, so yeah, the, I could see that. I told you like uh, the one girl, she broke her arm because she was bicycle mountain biking and didn't know how to ride a bike. Well, they let me yes. loose on a Grizzly 500 because um, it had an auto transmission and I didn't know how to like. I didn't feel like learning the real normal ones. So big, big four wheeler, uh, and I ended up totaling it nearly wrecking it before I hurt myself. Uh, and to replace it, they replaced it with a Grizzly 750, uh, like a bigger engine. Yeah, because, so, you know, they're more stable. Yeah, yeah. So I took it easy for a while, and then my deck commander was like, let's race. Nice. And, like, we're racing around, and like, and he's like, let's do donuts. And, like, we're doing donuts, and suddenly my, four, my four-wheeler just, like, eats in and just, like, flips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... So, I mean, I wasn't even going that fast. And Do you want to hear a worse one than that? Yeah, which, but, but, no, the wreck I had the to, that, like, totaled the other four-wheeler, though, I had a helmet cam on, and I wish I still had the footage from this, but you, like, just in the corner of the frame, you can see that, like, it throws me at one point, and you see the four-wheeler land at my feet <gasps> and bounce over, like, right over me. Oh. <laughs> it was like, I almost died. <laughs> Let's go get another one. <laughs> <laughs> These are like candy from the store. You can just get a new this one. This makes whatever. what we did in the tractor earlier seem more sane. Uh, I mean, but it's not the dumbest thing I've ever done. No, not at all. So it was a stable platform to use stand on. Yeah, it's yeah. just the bucket of a tractor. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Thank yeah. you for that. I need I needed a second person for that. So I after you, I figured out what we were doing. I'm like, this makes total sense. Why you need two people for this? I didn't want to do it from a ladder. It would. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to climb up along the tree to, like, do it like that way either. I'm like, eh, that's kind of shady also. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a professional arborist. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, stand in a tractor bucket and do it from there. So, that anyway. makes sense. Yeah, perfect sense. I would have landed at that conclusion, too, if I had a tractor. I'm like, I need yeah. to cut down this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's yeah. a work platform. Yeah, exactly. I should probably get, like, forks for it, pallet forks, so I make a better platform, but. Yeah. Anyway, what were you asking? You were asking something. Uh, we were talking about your MSG time and all the fun stuff you did there. So yeah, anyway, me. it was a good time. Met a lot of awesome people. Yeah. I enjoyed it because, like, MSG was a little more, I guess, important to me than Ospreys. <laughs> so, because I, uh, I, told you you said I, was a a... I told you I was a missionary kid, right? I've probably heard this, but it's like one of yeah, those yeah. things where it's, it's like, like, ah, it's just Babs. He's yeah. this. Yeah, he's the weird. He's the weird homeschool kid. Uh, Do you know how many weird homeschool kid we had though? They're awesome. You know what? Homeschoolers aren't that bad. It's really not. Some parents just do a bad job of getting their kids, you know, some social activities so they remember how to be social. Anyway, uh, so I grew up in Kenya. Okay. But up until I went to pub- we moved back here when I was like twelve. All right. And then we went to public school. So. I grew up in Kenya. We left, like, right before the embassy got blown up there. I do think I know this. Yeah, yeah. So, was, yeah. I don't know. For some reason, that made MSG really important to me, even though I didn't know anybody who died or anything. Right. 
But it are just, like imprinted it on like you imprinted somehow. It imprinted it to me. It's also why like when 9/11 happened, I was like in a I was in high school and I was in the media class, so we had control of all the TVs in the school. Yeah. It was like a switchboard kind of thing. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And like I see like we have a couple news channels just going because we have TVs in that room. And then it's mm-hmm. like I'm like, "Oh, that's important. I just start like flipping on TVs. Like everyone's watching this, like without asking permission. But it was like as soon as it happened, it's like, oh, Osama's bin Laden is back. So, I was like, why should a 16 year old ever know that? And it was like, it, t- it was like, 30... wait, so you know who bin Laden was? Like, yeah, I knew it would be like the second that it was like showing live on TV, and it was like another. 30 minutes before the new, any news channel was like, oh, we suspect it was Osama bin Laden. And I'm like, called it. <laughs> that is wild. I was like, yeah. It's, like, it's not like I knew like a lot of like... I'm pretty sure that day is the first time I heard those like syllables in that order. Or I'm like, yeah, yeah. fuck's an Osama bin Laden? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I, so I knew that as like a 16-year-old. It's like, And that was like the only big like international news thing I had like followed. It's not like I was some like savant following like all the stuff around the world. I just up and was like, "Oh, he's back." He never left. Like Osama's been plotting more like. That's what yeah, it was. So, yeah, no. Yeah, I was in gym class and then they like put us all in study halls and like the first tower was hit. Yeah. And they're just like, "Oh, so they like put everyone in, like study halls and then the t- I yeah. watched the second tower come in and then that's when they bust everyone home after school. Oh, okay. Or for, like, the day, it's like, all right, school's out. And we're just like, all right. Yeah. In no. between there, I made a lot of really bad jokes because that's how I cope with things. That's fair. Got yelled at a few times. I understand. It's okay. We have dark humor, all that. Yes. Uh, so I was made for the military because of my dark humor, I guess. Or I'm getting Alzheimer's. Or that's uh, childhood trauma speaking. I mean, everyone in my family is, <laughs> uses dark humor, though, like... Parents, aunts, and uncles, it's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of just like, oh, yes, like, this is just how we tell jokes. Yeah. So, my family did not do that, so uh, I, I guess I'm a little bit of a dark horse. Everyone's got to have a black sheep. Anyway. So, yeah, anyway. Um... So I miss you. It was important to you because yeah, of that was important to me. So Kenyan. like when I, when I joined, it's like I just wanted to get promo- like I had three goals. It was like okay, somebody told me goal setting was important. It's like okay, I'll make some goals. It's like okay. I want to make at least a corporal because my recruiter, he I guess I think he was a grunt. He made it sound like it was really hard to get promoted that far. Uh, I wanted corporal because I wanted the blood stripe. Yeah, you mean the beating or the actual like on your uniform? I, on my uniform, oh, okay, like no. I wanted like okay. well, I didn't know I was gonna get the beating. I just <laughs> knew that like. NCOs and above got the blood stripe on the dress blues, and I'm like, that is the way to look good in dress blues because it, that is the most important part of it, being a Marine it is makes looking it good. Yeah, exactly, and you've got the hair for it too, so unlike me. Well, I mean, having hair is important to having good hair. You have great hair, though. Anyway. I got lucky. Yeah. Speaking so, of hair, so yeah. would you, was your mother's father bald? I don't know. He was he died when my mom was a teenager. The only oh, picture okay. I've seen of him, he had I think he had hair in. So okay, because I've heard it's your mother's father. I heard that too, but it the most of the bald people are on my dad's side of the family. Interesting. So I don't know. I made too much fun of my dad and uncles on that side, I guess, for their baldness when I was a kid. Okay. And it hit me super early. So because I like started shaving my head out of laziness. I remember you like having a fully just 
accepted I'm shaving my head because lean into it. Yeah, well, yeah. I started out because I was lazy, and it shaving in my head a few minutes times a week was way easier than spending ten dollars every Sunday. Ten dollars every Sunday and an hour or three every Sunday. Waiting in line waiting because in line everyone was doing it at seven o'clock that night. Like, oh yes. fuck. Even when I like did it early in the afternoon, like out in town, there was like a barber who was really good that took their time with everybody's haircut. The little and, blue hut by uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, it was like three black guys. Yeah, I don't remember what it was called. Yes. Marine Barbershop. Yeah, that was its name. Those guys were good. And it was the little blue hut, and they did it in like they also 20, did like 30 the, minutes. the hot razor. Like, oh yeah, I loved that place. And the price, like, they cost more than the like cheap haircut on base, but they it wasn't bad. It was like twelve dollars. Yeah, no. Say. It, yeah. Something where of like I would pay that now for a haircut, I'd be like For the effort those guys Is were, this a drug front? No, those guys were awesome. I'd watch them like they Marines were, would come in with like their little kids, like yeah. their little boys. And they would put like the same effort into like an adult man's hair like little kids' haircut as they did like an adult's like I remember the smaller watch, guy. Those that guys was were awesome. There, he like did four or five years in the Marines. So okay. he was a Marine. Yeah. But, like, the other two guys that were there, they were nice. They were cool. Yeah. I liked them. I went to a couple of other barbershops, and they, a lot of them sucked. Like, those guys always, like, whether you had good hair or not, they always put, like, premium effort into it. And, yeah. Like, you got a sharp haircut, so. Basically, when I anyway, got too much effort, though. to the squadron, yeah. I was told, this is where you go for a haircut. Yeah. Get there first thing in the morning on Saturday, or else you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I went on, like, Saturday or Sunday, and I always sat there for, like, an hour or two. And it was worth it, because it was a three-hour wait on base, so. And for it a, wasn't as good. For a, yeah. Anyway, so I started out of laziness, uh, and then I, like, started growing it back one time, and it was like, oh, oh, it's not, like, it's, like, retreated. <laughs> it's running away. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I've only been shaving for, like, a year. What happened? <laughs> it's retreated. Well, I guess I'm shaving now. <laughs> yep. And 15 years later, 15, 16 years later, I'm like, here I am. Accept it. Yeah. I. It's better to just accept it and lean into it than try yeah. to like do any of those like weird comb over things or like. That's uh, I, my, I have family members who do that still. Like there's have like the very little shoe, left on the like, middle and it's a weird comb over. Although one of my all time favorite things I've ever seen is there's um. Uh. He's a musician, basically. Like, he has several, like, pretty famous bands. His name is Devin Townsend. Okay. He's from Canada. He's absolutely insane, like, on medicine insane, like, from doing a lot of psychedelics. Uh, So he has, like, you know, the classic horseshoe pattern thing, and Mm. one of his bands... Reverse or regular horseshoe? The, you know, bald at the front, like, goes to, like, the back. Okay. And uh, he... So when he had his band, so like that 2000, like 2010 time frame, the band was called Strapping Young Lad. Okay. Amazing heavy metal band. If you're not into heavy metal, you won't like it. Yeah, yeah. But during that time frame, he had that horseshoe pattern thing and then long hair, and he called it the skullet. So skull on top, mullet in the back. Anyway. Yeah, I think we were just talking about the skullet. And, yeah, the uh, skullet. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, That's you got to be confident to pull that off. Uh, he was very confident about Should that, be, so. and then he's you know ended that band, started a new band. He's like changing everything, and now he just leaned into it, into it and raises the head. I'm like okay, I appreciate it. Yeah, 
So luckily, I at least have a half decent head shape for the shaved head. I don't have it like not too weirdly knobby or anything, you know. You don't have a Sponson head. Sponson, Sponson. Is it like a like a? Do you have like a huge like back skull? No, it just like normal skull shape. Kind of sponsored out on both sides weirdly, but he was bald too, and he's just like he called it. He was an Avi kid. He was my roommate yeah, for like a week, and I'm like, I don't like. I can you. picture his face. I didn't remember his name, but like yeah. I, I remember his face. Yeah. Sponsored head. He called himself that, and the first time I heard, it, I'm like, sponsored head. That's a good one. <laughs> wow. I don't remember him saying that. Maybe I didn't talk to him. I don't know. I didn't get to know everybody as well as I should have. There's some Avi guys I got to know. Some of them I didn't. I don't know. I knew a few. So. But anyway, so yeah, um, uh, yeah. So I spent a lot of money on razors. <laughs> you could spend a lot of money on haircuts. Yeah. So anyway, sounds like it would even out. Yeah. What else do we? What else do we need to know? Uh, so you did that, and uh, oh, what'd you do after the Marines? Lots of random stuff. So I went to art school because I don't know why. I guess because I went to public school and didn't get to take any art classes. Okay. I went to a hillbilly poor public school. I was like, and I guess I thought it would be like cathartic or something. I had the opposite thing, but my school mascot is is the hillbilly. Yeah. So anyway, I like to hear Ember making some noise in there, so she's going to have to get up soon. Anyway. um, All right. We'll end this soon then. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Basically, I went to art school because I guess I thought it'd be cathartic or some great learning experience. And also, I was planning on just going back into the federal government. I was planning on doing the RSO job, joining diplomatic security. Okay. I was like, a couple of the agents, like, some of them had degrees that made sense. Some of them were like, well, nobody cares what your degree is if you have good, if you have experience. So they're like, yeah. It's like, we'll give you, we'll give you recommendations to, like, come back when we, after you finish a degree and, like, you know, uh, there's open spots for you to apply. And about the time that spots actually opened up again, they were closed out for a long time. Uh-huh. And then about the time they, uh... Sorry. About the time it was like, oh, there's I could apply again. I was also realizing like I was getting serious with Rachel. Uh, okay. We had been dating for a little while, and it was like, I really like this woman, and if this goes places, that is not a family-friendly job. They have a super high divorce rate. <laughs> Um, yeah. I was like, I need to find something else to do. It's like, I don't have any backup plans. I was just going to, like, do, like, some... I was, like, looking at some contract work to, like, fill in while I was waiting for federal spots to open up. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to, like, a, con- a contract thing out in East Africa doing some security stuff. And it was like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't uh, expecting that. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I had no plans for, like, being local and, like, you know, having family-friendly jobs. I just don't... I never thought about it. Okay. Anyway, so I, like, did that, and so I, like, floundered around for a while. It's like I tried selling insurance. That was the worst thing I've ever done uh, for a shady company, too. So, as it turns <laughs> out, I didn't realize they were shady. It was a life insurance company. It's the most soul-sucking thing I've ever done in my life. I lost months of save- worths of savings Ooh. funding myself because I didn't make any money. Oh, uh, uh, okay. They lied to me about a bunch of stuff, too. Anyway, uh, let's see. What did I do? From there, I, like, did some, like, I filled in doing some uh, helping – Rachel's dad do some like construction stuff for cash for a little while while I was like looking for a new job. Then I found a job doing a hired on doing fire systems and stuff, you know, okay. pipe work. And did that 
we did that for a while until we got into a house and we were both looking for like she was working at a warehouse at a company actually oh i also worked at a warehouse right after college as like a fill-in job okay doing product photography that's where i met rachel um and it was like we needed like adult jobs <laughs> i guess that made better money yeah uh, and an old roommate from nashville had been telling me about this school called Nashville Software School for like a while, and he's like, "I think you'll be good at this." Uh, and he had just gone to it too, uh, but he's like, "I think you, I think you'd like be good at coding." And I was, I don't know, in my head, I was like, "You got to be a, like a rocket scientist to like code things. You, you got to be like a mathematician or something smart, you know." And it turns out you really don't. You just have to be stubborn to learn it. Um, which, <laughs> if I have any skill in life, I am good at being stubborn, <laughs> like. That's probably my number one skill. Uh, anyway, so I like I went to this Nashville software school. It's like a boot camp, like six months of intensive. I had enough GI Bill left to cover it. Okay. Which was good. They took GI Bill at the time, and uh, so I went, got into like a full stack software developer job. Uh, and then Rachel went right after I did, and uh, we survived like six months on a. Until she got she got hired right out of there with a really good job. Nice. Uh, and while I was doing a twenty dollar an hour intern job, <laughs> which ironically was way better paid than I got paid doing fire systems. Which sounds which, normal, which, actually. Yeah, it sounds normal unless you talk to union people. Then they're like, "You only got paid how much?" Yeah. <laughs> That's pathetic. Uh, I don't see really Tennessee being the biggest union state, though. No, it's not. Mm. Not at all. It's just one, it's especially when I talk to people who are like who've done construction in like northern unions though they're like you only got paid how much like oh yeah I apprenticed for some random trade and I started out at like 100k a year it's like, dude if you want to like, know something at 14, that's wild an hour and I was making way more than everyone else uh, linemen's their union like oh. dude linemen should fuck. make good money yeah but yeah. like. So you go to a school, you get into a union, and basically the union just guarantees that they will keep you working. Mm -hmm. They won't tell you where you're going to be working, though, uh, Like, but they will get you a job. So, like, if you're from here in Tennessee, you get yeah. into the lineman union after, because, like, you go to a school for it. It's like a year, mm -hmm. six months to a year, I want to say. Yeah. They won't, you know, be like, well, we're going to get you a job with a power company in Tennessee. They're like, all right, man, we got you a job. Um, you're going to North Minnesota. <laughs> Like, it's just like, oh, that's wild. Yeah, in the winter. Because, like, I know some guys, like, because there's National Grids, the power company mm -hmm. up by me. They're, like, they go to the school, they do whatever, and they're, like, I want to get in with National Grid. And, like, some of them get into National Grid because there's a National Grid in my town, and some of them don't. Yeah. They go other places. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I was also looking at, like, older guys, and it was, like, when I decided that job just wasn't going to go places because one of the... What do you call them? Uh, supervisors. What are those? What are supervisors. Those? I don't know. Supervisor. Anyway, he was like the guy who he was running the truck, and he was like, "Yeah, this is a really good job, man." He's like, "You can make fifty plus grand a year, even at your level. All you got to do is work every weekend and get all, you know, work twelve hours a weekend of overtime every weekend." It's like I'm married. I'm trying to like no no invest thank in you. my family too, <laughs> and I was just like, "Yeah, this isn't going to go anywhere." So I went to the software school. I have. So I've done full stack development for like it was a healthcare company, like an old enterprise app that was ugly. Realized I had enough artsiness in me that I hated it. So 
took a little bit more training in like UX and uh, product design. Worked as a UX engineer for a healthcare company, building like a a library of code for other developers to use. And then I still went to work for my current company, which earn, owns a ton of products. Any digital product you can think of that uh, like a marketing company, like not a marketing company, a nonprofit or a church or something would use, any kind of okay. nonprofit, they own a product for that, whether it's personnel management or background checks or like, anyway, I've been doing web development for them for years. Nice. And it's awesome because it's remote. That's originally why I went there is because it was remote. Sweet. So it was, and I got remote like right before, well, everybody started going remote in 2020, but. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Because people freaked out about a thing that probably wasn't worth freaking out about as bad as they did. To be yeah. fair, though, I know some doctors who, like, got really nerdy in the research on stuff, and they were like, we don't know how bad this is going to be. They are like, they thought it was, they were like. That part I yeah. did believe yeah, at the yeah. beginning. We're like, we have no fucking clue. Yeah. And well, I'm like, all right. Well, early on, people were like, is this a weapon? Is this, like, is it just a, we don't know what this is. So, I don't blame people for freaking out originally. I, the politis, politization, politis, politicalness. You know what I mean? Just got weird yeah. on all directions. Scout! Shush! Hey! Oh, you'll listen to him. Traitor. I'm really good at dog whistles. Apparently. I'm gonna let the. Real quick. Anyway, so that's what I'm doing. I'm a web developer. It's not super exciting. I mean, I, but it lets me I work remote her. and live here, so, you know, on this nice little slice of greenery in Tennessee. Yes. Yeah, so. And Rachel's also a software developer now. She's way smarter than me, makes me way, way more money. That's always a good thing. Yeah, so she wears the pants. There's no problem with that. Yeah. It's only a problem if you have a problem with it. Right. And if you do, you're sexist. <laughs> so. Anyway. So. So that's what you've been up to and all yes. that fun stuff. Yeah, I feel like there's so much we're leaving out. Uh, but once again, I'm a horrible storyteller. Well, I mean, if you want, this can just be like we should number one. And like as you remember things, we can like put it down in a note and we can. Well, I should interview you. Oh. For one of these. Somebody should, or maybe Ryan should interview you for, for one of these. Ryan and, and and Leroy should, like, gang interview me. Oh. And, like, that's the thing. is like, I want to I wanna sit down with Ryan on one. I want to sit down with Leroy for a separate one. But I also want to sit down with both of them at the same time. Ooh, that'd be fun. Okay. Because I feel like that one would just be fun. Yeah. If you're uh, feeling really brave, you could open yourself up for a roast episode. Get a bunch of people on board. And just have them make fun of me? Yes. I feel like it would devolve into everyone making fun of everyone, which would be fantastic. And the most hilarious thing, possibly unusable for human consumption outside of our friend That probably wouldn't be safe safe for life. Uh, No, uh, but it would be the best thing, because, like, we could all just, like, go back and listen to it and laugh when we're, like, 90. like, a Google meeting or something? (laughs) Oh, God, it would be great. Yeah, like, I mean, I know Ryan wanted to do, like, a reunion a while back. Yeah, so right before 2020. Yeah, yeah. 
But I think he was talking about like Vegas. Yep. And it's just like, man, I know that probably easy for some people. I would not be able to make that. I have a kid. Well, the reason he wanted to do it in Vegas is one. It's a neutral zone. That one, it's neutral. You can get flights there easily for like most people. Like pretty easy to get to. Like because, you know, Vegas runs flights there. Southwest, you can get a flight there pretty cheap and easy and fast. And yeah. like there's stuff to do. Like if you're like, you know, I don't want to do like this like thing with all you guys this night. I like, want to do something else. Yeah. Like, if you wanted to bring your wife, like there's shows. Like, you know, there's other things to do in Vegas, and we could find, like, a convention place. Yeah. Well, I was that say, would host us. It's not the same, but if you, uh, you might want to, if you wanted to pitch the idea of a, of a gr- giant group thing, you could probably do, like, a, we don't have to even do it as an episode. I was going to say, you could do an episode, or you could just, like, do that sometime. Yeah, I don't know. It's been good seeing you. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, you're one of my more favorite people. There's a lot of people I didn't like. It's true. I'm not. Uh, I think we all had that. Well, though. like you and Ryan kind of like adopted me earlier on than uh, when like we were still like really new to the unit unit. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. Like when you showed up and like took me to the bar when I was underage. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, I've been accepted by a senior person. Because at that point we were someone st- with a with authority. I well, had none. Well, no, but you know what I mean. Like we were still like getting treated like uh like we were brand new and we were still like oh you guys are on pigeon crap cleaning duty. Like you know we were still we, we were had still, all been there. Though. Yeah, yeah, I know that was like tradition. But we were still like at that phase and it was like yep. it was like oh I'm transitioning past the phase of pigeon crap guy to being accepted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. The, no, yeah, so, that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Pigeon crap cleaning. Oh, God. We probably should have been wearing, like, respirators or something for that. Full hazmat suits? Yeah, I don't know. There, there's no way that breathing in that uh, mountains of pigeon crap dust is good for the you. Mountains of pigeon crap I mean, dust, what, all those cockroaches that yeah, infested that, that area, too. Just, uh, biohazard, you know. I mean, it's probably not any worse than any of the other stuff we were breathing in. But still, like, I've heard, like, bird shit is, like, something really bad for you. I forget what. Like, probably is. But, oh, God. A... Were you there when that aircraft caught on fire? I'm sure, well, okay, that's more, that's probably? not very specific. Uh, I know you weren't on the ERT response. Nixon and Bates did, like, an awesome job. Uh, I might not have been there. I didn't. I think it might have been right after you left. But if Nixon and Bates that, were on it, and I don't remember it, like I would have. They like, I wasn't there. They like knocked the response out of the park. Uh, Good. I don't think I re- did as handled it as well because I think it was like my first like real emergency like response. I think I don't remember what something happened, and I didn't feel like I did a good job with it. And I but uh, Colonel Gold like gave us awards. He wanted it to be like Nams, like it was, and that was. Mostly Nixon and Bates doing a really good job with it. I got a Nam, like the day I got out. Yeah, but uh, literally, I remember, I remember Colonel Gold like came in the shop and like made us stand at attention to read us like a letter of appreciation or something. By the way, Byers wrote my Nam. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Good. Got a Nam because of Byers. Nice. But <sighs> thanks, Nick. Yeah, I remember. But Colonel Gold, he like came in the shop. He's like this. Sh-, he's like, I wanted this to be a Nam. He's like, I'm gonna make you stand at attention for this if I read this. <laughs> Because he felt like we did a good job. It was like, oh, okay, I didn't feel like we did a good job. I felt like Bates and Nixon did a good job. Well, I'm glad anyway, those two did. But, uh, no. Because they got shit on by the entire unit every day. Yeah, well, I mean, that's probably why we didn't get NAMS, is because Hazmat 
see we were involved and we were the black sheep of the squadron. It's probably and just they no, saw and, those and two no, names. It's like a private yeah. and a a yeah, and no staff and CO was involved. So yeah. you know. Um. Anyway, a lot of dudes got sprayed with Halon out there. I'm trying to remember. It was one of the dudes from Hal from Flyline ended up getting like I think he got medically separated because of like damage it did to his lungs. The giant, it's Halon, right? The giant fire tank fire. Yeah, those there's Halon in yeah. there. The other thing that's damaged to your lungs is actually breathing in the carbon fiber. Well, yeah, that too. He might have gotten some of that in. There was it was like a considerable amount of smoke that came out of that thing. But I, a couple of guys, like I had to. It wasn't that. In, it was a different incident where guys breathe in some Halon. I had to drive him to the hospital because I was on duty. I had to drive him over to Lejeune. Uh, but I remember that one. It was like somebody in Flightline, I think, got medically separated because their like lungs were screwed up after that. I'm not surprised, but also fuck. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, we all breathed in a bunch of nasty stuff in that shop. Oh yeah. There was a. There was a. I think she was admin. There was a female staff sergeant. She was pregnant. She like walked into the shop to like. She had to like give us some, like, mini class on something. I don't remember what it was. I have no idea what it was about. Okay. And she was there for, like, 30 seconds. She was like, can we, uh, we need to leave this room. She's like, we're like, why? She's like, the chemical smells. Like, what chemical smells? She's like, it reeks in here. I've had that many times. I I feel like this is going to endanger my unborn child. (laughs) Like, we're like, huh, I don't even smell it anymore. (laughs) Is that bad? Have I gone nose blind? (laughs) I don't even smell this anymore. It's just acetone. You're fine. Yeah, you put it on your nails. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's like we yeah. wash our hands in this stuff. It's good. Oh, man. Yeah, 90% of the smell, though, was acetone, which yeah. isn't horrible. No, no, no. No, it's not all that bad. So. No. Well, I mean, yeah. we've been at this we for should... near two and a half hours. Yes, and... Your daughter's up. We should probably end yeah, this. Yeah, Do you yeah. have any last-minute thoughts you'd like to say? I wish. Um, I'm brain dead now. Okay. Uh, um, in case I don't see you again after today, you know, anytime You'll soon. You'll still I hear love from you, me. You know. I love you to too, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm sorry I haven't talked. I'm sorry I haven't caught up before this. Uh, uh, I'm just as bad. Yeah, I know. So. And, like, part of this is to, like, catch back up with everyone and get everyone, like, talking more to. I think part of it's like a lot of times when I'm like, oh man, I kind of like want to catch up with this person. I'm like, oh, it's been so long. Like, I feel like, uh, I feel bad. <laughs> like, like, and then I'm like, no, I can't do it. <laughs> Maybe the ending so, thought should be, don't yeah. be weird, call your friends. Don't be weird, call your friends. They uh, miss you too and they... Who else, so, so who else are you planning on like talking to? Going to Byers' house tomorrow. Okay. Did you already do his interview or are you going to do that while you're there? I'm probably going to do it while I'm there okay, unless good. we just get sidetracked too hard and then like we'll do oh. it over the phone. Okay. Um, basically, whoever's open, okay. like get a hold of me and we'll figure something out. Uh, yeah, I got a few planned. Do you still a- talk to Andrew Shack at all? No, I was actually looking him up, trying to get a hold of him. Yeah, I was gonna say you should you should try to get. In- if I can definitely get a hold of him and talk to him, I will. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm going to. I'd like to hear his perspective. <laughs> I'm going to do Ryan and Leroy next time I go back down to North Carolina, okay. which is probably gonna be this summer. Don't quote me on the dates or times. I just know I want to. Yeah, yeah. So I probably will because I'm pretty free and open. And I brought my girlfriend down there once and she met them. Yeah. So that was a nice uh, starter to the uh, relationship and how crazy my friends are. And she's just like, I can see why you're friends with these people. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so those two will get done. 
but I want to do them in person. Otherwise, I would have done them on the phone by now. But, like, if I can do... If you're going to see them anyway, just wait till you can do it in person. Basically. So, recording come better, I hope, anyway. It sounds we'll massively better. Okay. If, like this, then it does over the phone. Because, yeah. like, the quality goes down. I can't explain why. But, like, if I can do you in person, I will. And I will wait to do you in person. And so, like, that's why when this came up, With I'm consent, like... With right? I mean, I can't get you to talk without consent. Oh, okay. I guess. Okay. But, <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's why when this came up, I'm like, got to get Babs in person. Yeah. Want to do it in person. Like, I'd rather, I'd just rather would. Because, like, yeah. looking at you, hearing things, like, being able to, like, see your face while I do it, i actually much more engaged than, like, phone where I'm, like, Kind of wandering in and out for a second, like I do in a normal phone call. And yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck, what were we saying? Oh, well, I mean, like, as a remote person, like, I've been working remote for a while. There are some things that are just way harder to communicate when you're, like, over the phone. Yes, I will I agree. admit, fully admit that when I was in an office full time, if we had way too many meetings, but, like, we had way more than we needed to. But there was a lot of stuff where it was, like, we could really, like, thoroughly hash things out in person. Yes. Whereas when you're doing it like remote and everybody's like all doing their own thing, you gotta like get a short meeting together, and then if people aren't super organized, it's like it doesn't just things just don't communicate well. That's work, but I mean, yeah, it's it's just harder. So anyway, yeah, I'm glad you stopped by. You're always welcome here, by the way. Uh, I don't know when the next time I'll be in yeah, Tennessee yeah. is because like both of our jobs are ending for this one, so I'm like, ah, crap. Yeah. I know I'm going back to the Northeast. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say if you want to bring a bring up a, a pew pew with you next time, we can. Shoot, do stuff. Don't have to threaten me at a good time. Yeah, yeah. We shoot. We can shoot clays out here like safely. Like there's nice. Enough, there's enough range. You can like, like 270 degrees. You can shoot shotguns safely. Sweet. You gotta be like pretty careful with rifles to shoot into my little wood pile berm down there. But you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So like we, I've shot clays out here a few times. Yeah, I saw them yeah. on the path. Yeah, yeah. That's after we cleaned up. So. Okay. We didn't do a very good job. So. Well, you still picked them up. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a proper brass call. So there was a, a guy from my group at church who uh, he had a like a what he called a diaper party. It was like the men's version of a baby shower. Okay. So basically, we just brought in boxes of diapers and we shot a bunch of guns off of I, another guy's back porch. I can respect that. It was amazing like, because it was just like a bunch of dudes just brought out their favorite toys. And yes. we bought a bunch of boxes of clays and yes. yeah, yeah, and just shot the crap out of it. I had to leave before cleanup, unfortunately. I feel a little bad about that. You mean fortunately? Fortunately, well, I feel a little bad, but fortunately, yes. I helped make the mess. Bye. It's like I ate barbecue and shot a lot, but it was a lot of fun. So. So basically, you made them all jealous. Yeah. No, a couple of people had to leave early, so it's not a big deal. Like, uh, but I was gonna say, like, it's uh. It's fun, so. I've really enjoyed shooting clays lately, though. It's a, it's just kind of like a fun way to shoot things. Have you shot? Have you tried shooting clays before? Have you done that? Like, Ryan tried to teach me and show me yeah. when we were in, so like over 15 years ago, and like I couldn't get the hang of it. I have. It. it one of my managers is like at my company now is like, he was just raised on mm-hmm. bird hunting and clay shooting, like so that's his thing, and yeah. like. He's told me that I'm probably so ingrained from point-and-click rifles mm-hmm. that it's going to take a lot to teach me. Uh, it's 
or at least get me out of like batter yeah habits. so i'm not doing i've never shot like professional like clay like you know where oh, you go he's to like, actual like nice range and they do the he's into it yeah yeah i've never never done that like it's just like we just get a launcher and like start chucking them out and people shoot them you know uh-huh. It's like point it a little bit that way, point a little bit that way, or stand over here, stand over here to get like different angles and stuff. Yeah, he told me like a lot of it is like coaching the feel of it, not because you can't yeah. really like teach it. It's like well, how far did you leave? It's like I don't, know, I just was. Yeah, yeah. So it's like uh, I started getting better when I started shooting shotgun both eyes open, mm-hmm. which I was already doing with like rifles and pistols anyway. Yes. But what I realized I wasn't doing that with shotguns, like that made me better. It's just like it's just being more instinctive. Okay. So, which also, but like the shotgun fit I found helps a lot though, because I have my granddad's like Wingmaster. All right. Which, and it fits me perfectly, or at least feels like it does. I don't really know how shotgun's supposed to fit, but it feels like it fits nicely. And I can hit tons of stuff with that. My wife has a little 20 gauge that's like a youth stock size because she has short arms, you know? Uh huh. Uh, Because she's not a tall person. And when I use that, I can hardly hit anything. (laughs) So. And I've hit stuff with a friend's, like, stockless shotgun before. They have a, had a friend with, like, the shockwave. You know, it's like a little pistol grip. And that's yeah. It. I've hit stuff with that. Nice. <laughs> and it's like, and her shotgun is, like, this nice over-under, just, like, a short stock, though, for youth size. And I can barely hit anything with it. Body mechanics does play a large part. So, it's just, I don't know, I think it's partly fit and just, like, learning to just, like, feel it out. So, yeah. anyway, that's way detoured. Very detoured. Very detoured, and still, we're going to go back to that ending point of uh, call your oh, yeah. friends, they miss you. Yeah, yeah, call your friends, they miss you. I'll yeah. try to follow and you advice. miss them. Yeah, yeah, so, anyway. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, Sayonara? Well, you're not leaving yet. No. You're not going to leave yet, are you? Okay, but, well, we can wrap. What do we do to... How do you wrap this thing up? Goodbye! Goodbye! (laughs) And then we press the button.